This is episode whatever, but definitely episode three of the Redleaf Retrocast Anime Edition, the Worldwide Weebcast. We've come to a consensus. That is the name. We have a new little logo that our senior person has made. <laughs> slash <laughs> Joe, it's very good. Thank you very much. Yeah, I was bored, man. <laughs> no, you worked really hard, and everyone needs to praise you because you're the senior person. Grandpa. Grandpa. <laughs> oh, wait. Sorry. Uh, uh, even, yeah, even though I'm the oldest, I'm, I'm pretty sure on this cast. Your grandpa's grandpa. That's fine. Fucking yeah. weeb. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. So, yeah, you, if the audience, you would just listen to the intro of His and Her Circumstances. Yes, that is the anime we're covering. An anime that came out in the late 90s. It was Joe's pick because he wanted to pick an anime that possibly we'd all disagree on this time around since we went two in a row with praising. Praising thoughts and reviews. And uh, you'll hear more on that. And as a disclaimer, we do spoil the living shit out of shows. So as we talk, as we go through the show more and more, uh, you will hear more spoilers of the show. But honestly, you can't really spoil the show. Oh no, a show that's nearly 20 years old is going to get spoiled? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So honestly, we don't, we don't care here. We just like talking about the shows. Uh, our topics we're going to go over today is fluff in anime and you'll hear more about that later and <sighs> something you joe are very passionate about and that is something we're seeing a rise of and that is the tragic girlfriend which is kind of becoming a trope and a theme in anime well of course it's becoming a trope it's a good way to get all the weebs to cry yeah, so we're, we're uh, uh, just as a disclaimer, if you're, another disclaimer, if you're a fan of Anohana, Clonade, or You're a Lion April, for example, <laughs> uh, and you're butthurt about anything negative coming out of those shows, you might not want to listen, because we, we will rip it, we'll probably rip those apart, even though we are fans of the shows. No, I'm not. Well, some of them. <laughs> some of us are. Uh, some of us are normal. <laughs> Some of us are normal. Make oh jokes boy! Like that. So I'm I am I am uh, JD, otherwise known as Jock Up now, because it's been a rough couple weeks since the past <laughs> podcast. You don't say. It's uh, yeah, some some personal things have happened. I do not want to go into it, but I'm in a bad mood. And now that <laughs> other anime and the spring season has come to a close, I'm in an even more bad mood because some shows are absolute dumpster fires. So, Hickey, what have you been up to? Hickey? Hickey? Well, uh, I haven't <laughs> been doing anything great with my life. It's basically work, 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 and work. Uh, awesome, so just as pissed off as me. <laughs> I imagine studying to be a lawyer isn't exactly the easiest shit, so. Yeah. And somehow you still scrape time to watch this shit. Of course I have. I always have time to watch shit. <laughs> Talking about watching shit, uh, I watched the first episode of Hinalogi from Luck and Logic, and it's gonna be a rough one. Uh, no, is, yeah. is that a show from? Is that a show from the summer season coming up here? Yeah, it's the first, the first one oh, to boy. release. It's on Crunchyroll. You you There's don't no you don't need you you don't need to watch it. Yeah, Crunchyroll has a show, and it's <laughs> not good. <laughs> Isn't that a spin-off of Luck and Logic? It is. Which is also it is not a, a spin-off of Luck and Logic. <laughs> uh, 
We're on, the positivity is rolling this morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh no. Uh, well, uh, that's it's funny you bring that up because I was doing some brainstorming and I figured it'd be fun uh, since we're not a seasonal podcast that we just kind of have have our own little segments dedicated to what we do individually and hickey since you're watching everything you are the man who watches everything i figured you'd be the perfect guy to kind of update us on the seasonal stuff great great (laughs) (laughs) and so for the first show you've watched it's getting just screaming reviews (laughs) oh yeah it's just uh... uh that is a good sign what what else came out today? Was it Welcome to the Ballroom or some Ble- other garbage or something? I don't know. <laughs> I have to look it later. up. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's and on Netflix, so I'm gonna actually hold off because I like what Netflix puts out. I will steal the shit out of that show. I want it bad. I want it yeah. so bad. Well, I, I waited long enough for Little Witch Academia myself, and I am very happy with it. The only thing they didn't do was have a German dub, which I was kind of upset about, but I got over it and. It's still very good. And you're still going to steal the second half of the show because they only released 13 episodes. Yeah, I'm not sure why they did that. So anyways, uh, moving on to our next senior person. Joe, You, we still don't have a segment to you for you yet. <laughs> yeah, you're right, man. Well, we're, we're spitballing ideas, but whatever. All I've been doing all week is playing fighting games and getting blasted. Absolutely blasted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you... Um, I met a so we we all come together in a Discord channel and I was I was meeting up with somebody who's visiting Toronto. Uh, we went out for drinks along the way. I'm riding my bike and Joe is just the most hammered. <laughs> <laughs> Do tell. Uh, I was I'm shocked I didn't get alcohol poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like it felt like that was your goal. <laughs> uh, it might have been. It might have been. <laughs> Jesus. No one's killing me but me, all right? No one. <laughs> oh, no. Uh. Uh, a lot of fighting games, a lot of Tekken 7. I wound up fucking up and buying four copies of Skullgirls, wound up giving those out. And, and I didn't receive a King single of one of 13. them. Yeah, I know. As soon as I was done, I was going to buy you one. That's the fucked up part. <laughs> but then you're like, oh, I was thinking about buying it. Oh, okay, good. I don't have to. Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Steam summer sale is strong, everybody. Taking all yeah, of my nothing's life. nothing's really popped out on the Steam Summer Sale to me, but I did get King of Fighters 13. Whooping dead ass. Not yeah. Well, <laughs> I think my record's one in thirty. <laughs> nice. I've nice. won once. <laughs> nice. Good job, JD. Uh, I beat someone online faster than I could beat anyone I know. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to it's fighting not games. Right. <laughs> oh God. Well, to be fair, yeah. me and uh. Skis on the uh, Discord. We're fucking losers anyway, so it's not shocking you didn't beat us. Yeah, when you guys start talking about frame rates, I go, I don't like fighting games that much. <laughs> <laughs> True. I believe Tori was telling us the other day, like it's like you're speaking Mandarin. <laughs> like you don't, you're not even speaking I, English at me anymore. I'm just seeing them like oh, no. saying like a bunch of random like letters and half words <laughs> and not even real words, and I'm like, you know. No. All these words separately, I know, but once you throw them together like that... No, 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 no. I'll Some fucking get words, it. words, I don't even understand by themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Oh, boy. 
<laughs> yeah, well, me, me, and uh, me and a guy named Justin from uh, Alberta, uh, we met up at a place called the Rec Room. This was this was shortly after uh, you died in bed, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I was alive, yeah, man. You just you just went no response immediately out of nowhere. <laughs> just Joe. Is he alive? Don't leave me. You alive? He's dead, guys. What? <laughs> But uh, yeah, this place, this place called the Rec Room, just opened like three days ago, and it's got it's just a place where you get drunk, and there's a ton, ton of arcade games. Uh, they even have a Mario Kart Deluxe arcade cabinets going there. They got old uh, Daytona USA cabinets. It's it's really cool, lots of fun. We got totally blasted there. Popped open a bottle of Jameson and took some shots. Uh, his screen name's Whiskey, but he likes rum, so. I didn't buy him rum, hot whiskey. <laughs> Thought it was only appropriate. And we we hung out the last couple of days. We had ramen. We we visited a. Uh, I took him to the Maid Cafe here in Toronto. <laughs> and I was kind of posting pictures. It was pretty funny. We were the only white people there. It was really cute. Uh, yeah, good good anime <laughs> intro songs playing in the background. Uh, we noticed uh, the NHK intro was playing. Two uh. songs later. Is followed by Clanad, and that was kind of our cue to leave. <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, oh but it's so sad. It is. I don't want tears in my omurus. Come on, Clanad music's not that bad. Dongo, Dongo. <laughs> I'm yeah, gonna if, cry. Uh, if a Dongo was a cheesecake, I definitely ate its face. Oh, no, the Dongo dies so good. Takasaku remix by fucking Busta Rhymes is great, okay? Oh, You're right, it is, and we should totally link that in the show notes. Uh. <sighs> and then, Tori. Yes. Hello. Hi. You're from Norway. I, I am. That's a very right. positive country. You it have is. positive things to talk about, right? Uh, I mean, no. I can talk about my... I don't have positive things to talk about, but I can talk about my quest. Yes. I'm doing for the forum that we're on. Um... Yeah, yeah, totally not copied from anyone else Absolutely you know. Absolutely not. Completely original idea. Um, <laughs> shut up, JD. <laughs> no, Someone uh, who has been doing it for two years? Just No, no, it couldn't have been me. Couldn't no, have been never. Me. I, de no, I definitely didn't just go to your post, copy everything you wrote in your opening opening post either, and pay, paste it in on my own. Never. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. You wouldn't, you wouldn't do that. You're a better person. <laughs> yep. I pumped mine through uh, a Yoda speech simulator. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I mean... But, yeah, basically what I'm doing is I'm doing a quest where I'm watching anime from every decade, starting in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, all the way up until 2016. Um, I'm coming to the end of uh, the 70s, and uh, the most recent show I watched was a show from 1978 called uh, Future Boy Conan. Yay. Um, so that was, uh, that was a show. A uh, show directed by Hayao Miyazaki, which, for those that know me, will know that I'm not the biggest Miyazaki fan. I don't dislike his work, but I always feel kind of underwhelmed watching them. At least compared to what everybody else tells me I should feel when I watch them. Which is, you know, the best thing ever, and I'm just there like, it's good. I don't dislike it, but, you know, I'm not blown away either. And, uh, Future Boy Conan, for me kind of falls into that same pl place with a few differences and the number one thing is i think and i, I pretty much said this i think this uh future Con is a show that especially if you're a fan of miyazaki you should you owe yourself to watch for a 70s show 
it looks great. You wouldn't believe it's a 70s show. It is. Yeah, it looks really good. Uh, and I, I, yes. I mentioned that show quite a bit myself. I, I think it's at least 10 years ahead of its time. Easily. Easily. Uh, I mean, yeah. shit, it looks better than uh, certain shows from 1998. I. It looks better than a certain show from 2016. Um, <laughs> you leave 17. South Park alone. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the show I was thinking about, but thank you for bringing that up. Uh, Close enough. <laughs> yes, it is. Now, um, but uh, yeah, no, like for me, it was a it was a really enjoyable show, visually really appealing. Like for a even straight up like for a TV production, especially a seventies TV production, it looks incredibly good with very few hic- hiccups. Only hiccups I noticed really was some. Less than stellar, like, uh, animation of, like, debris falling into the water towards the end. But that's, like, we're talking on episode, like, 26 or 25 or, or right. whatever. And then you have, like, one scene where it's, like, it looks a bit, like, you know, no, uh, what's it called? No in-between frames, just the keyframes. And it's, like, I, I, I can deal with that. That's that's a small price to pay. <laughs> Yeah. So, so seeing how I actually read what you write about these shows, it seems to me like the '70s is a really uh, feast or famine decade for you. Either you really like the shows, or you really just aren't feeling them. Yeah, no, that's kind of it. Like it's you have uh, what do I have? Like two shows, I think that I enjoyed, and the rest are kind of average or below. I was so kind of the same way, actually. <laughs> yeah, so it's like um, mm, it's one of those things. Like if you can find, you know. That really good show, the Ashtano Joe, which we've already talked about, or the, you know, Future Boy Conan, and hopeful. What I'm hoping that uh, Akage Noran or Anne of Green Gables, which is the one I'm watching, started right now, what I'm hoping that is going to be as well. So it's like if you can find those shows, you're going for a good time. However, just realize there's a lot, or not even a lot, because there's not a lot of shows, but there are a decent amount of not so good. And especially I noticed you didn't to... watch it. I noticed you didn't watch any Super Robot. Yeah, that's kind from of the seventies. Right? So I'm not a big into like robots and mecha and stuff like that. So I kind of wanted to stay away from that. The two things I tried to stay away from was robots as far as I could and um, very long shows, like 100 plus episode shows, unless they come on special recommendations. I tried to stay yeah. away from that, even though I'm not. So, it, the quest doesn't tell me that I have to finish a show, but I like finishing shows. I don't go into shows right. expecting to drop them. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, yeah, my, myself, uh, I wanted to see shows that were also kind of in my uh, preferred genres, so I was watching the Galaxy Express, the Captain Harlock, uh, and those were on the late 70s, I really enjoyed those myself, but you kind of avoided a lot of shows like that, Yeah. which, as as uh, Joe said earlier, it's feast or famine at that point. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Well, to be fair, everything he's enjoyed has been, you know, legendary series. <laughs> Basically. Uh I mean, you can Lupin say the, they're. Le- I mean, Lupin they're definitely the third, legendary. But just, no Joe, Future but Boy no Conan. But no one's watched those anymore. They're still anymore. legendary. You're right. But it's kind of. It's, it's sad. It's, it's one it's of those. Like, things. Oh, it's old. I don't want to watch him. Well, I mean, I no one's no one's read the Canterbury Tales, but it's still legendary. Yeah, right. it's one of those things. It's like it's kind of hard to expect people, especially people getting into it now, to just immediately go back and look to the seventies. Of course, they're going to start off rummaging around in the. Uh, Late two th- in the late two thousands and like two thousand seventeen and sixteen and whatnot, that's that's kind of what what you get. 
I agree, like, it gets annoying when you meet those people that have been watching anime for multiple years, and they've pretty much watched everything from the 2000s, and they've kind of got into this ma mindset of, I still don't want to watch anything from pre-2000, so I'm just starting to re-watch everything and waiting for new shows. That's yes. like, you're, you're missing out. <laughs> yeah, and they kind of just only, they might touch on the late 90s at most. Yeah. To be are fair, I'm of the opinion it, that the 90s uh, are no? some of the... Okay. No, not at all. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm of the opinion that the the uh, mid to late '90s are some of the best years of anime, but that's oh, mostly I, because of my bias. So I I agree, and I'm also biased towards that. I was like, I mean, that's one of the simplest. I look and I'm like, '90s for me, pretty good. I've I've enjoyed most '90s stuff I've watched, and I got introduced to anime through Cowboy Bebop. I think the '90s has the best the best for like character designs and art styles and everything, and I'm like. I, am I completely objective when it comes to that? Nope. I'm biased as hell. Well, I'm not objective <laughs> on anything. It's all my opinion. I know. Unless I but support it with fact, like... everything's opinion. <laughs> True. Nah, but it's one of those It's a shame like... that Tori's fact is. Cl Tori's opinion facts are much more weighted than yours, Joe. Oh, it's fine. Don't worry. I, I'm used to getting <laughs> sandbagged. As a matter of fact, I fill my own sandbags. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> oh, God. Well, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're. Uh... You found some good, good shows, Tori, in the in the seventies that yeah. you've enjoyed. Because honestly, you know, when when you do go watch any show, you never know if you're gonna truly like it or or not. True. Which well, is the why the biggest problem in the seventies, biggest problem in the seventies is trying to find uh trying to find shows that have actually been subbed. That too. That because is, that there's is there's a couple series I really wanted to watch, like uh Star of the Giants, Attack Number One, and you just can't find them. You can find like the first two or three episodes. But that's Joe, it. Everyone stops. Joe, you're going to be so glad because attack number one is at least slowly getting subbed. <laughs> Good. Very Maybe slowly, they'll start playing volleyball soon. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, but I've kind of come to this point where it's like, uh, you, that's what you're saying. Like, you're kind of, I'm kind of rummaging in the dark for what to watch. Like, I'm not really sure what to expect, especially since uh, I have, like, you know, try to stay away from robots, try to stay away from long shows. I kind of end up like, be like, maybe this is going to appeal to me if I can find it. And I look it up and find it. But then, then so I also feel myself just sitting there like, come on, can't the 1980s just come around right now? Because, you know, 1980s starts for me with Ashtano Joe 2. And like, I, I know I can look forward to that. So just get there already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm still searching around for Star of the Giants. So if any of our listeners somehow has a English subbed version of that, drop me a link. I, I'll, I'll watch it. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to start watching the Raws with the manga next to me. There you go. <laughs> it's a very interesting way to watch something. Gotta do what you gotta do, man. <laughs> you gotta learn Japanese and then you can watch. Yeah. Or Italian. True. Totally subbed in Italian for some reason. There's a lot of shows I'm I'm noticing that are being subbed in Italian. I find it funny as well. That's like my favorite show, Aria. It's dubbed in Italian. It's like, well <laughs> nice. <laughs> We're gonna go back to shows about nothing great. <laughs> well, that is a nice segue for the for our next topic. Oh, that's true. Oh, JD. Yeah. Well, my my uh my little segment's just gonna be when I'm I'm dubbing kind of the Shonen update since there's a lot of shows I want I've wanted to watch and catch up on. So I've just had I just put a list together to fill in the gaps since the summer season is kind of that watch your backlog kind of season. It's looking like. So I got Detective Conan, One Piece. I'm gonna finally finish Fairy Tale. I think I'm only like 50, 60 episodes away from that. Uh, I'm gonna continue with Gintama. 
Um, I'm actually rewatching Prince of Tennis, and then That's I'm so gonna bad. watch Toriko that I've never seen before. <clears throat> so if you're if, if our listeners are a fan of Shonen, uh, I'll be just updating with just basic thoughts and how I feel the Shonens are. The Shonen shows. Simple the sh- enough, right? The Shonen genre, yes. Yeah. Even Since though I'm it's the only one straight up a demographic. Genre, guys. Oh my god. You're right. It's a straight demographic, but whatever. I mean, if we want to call it a genre, that's fine with me. I don't care. No, <laughs> Shonen's not a you know, genre. I think, when so- Stop. I think someone's... <laughs> Come on, I think when someone says, like, Moe or Shonen, you know what they're talking about. What You can picture the show immediately. Of course. <laughs> well, of course you can. That's why yeah. I'm okay with it being a genre. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <sighs> so, fun. You guys ready to uh, rip rip apart some topics here? Yeah, sure. sure. Let's do it. Sure. Okay. Uh, what would you What would you like to do first, the fluff or the tragic girlfriend? Let's go through fluff. Go through fluff. Yeah, sure. All right. So, as a basic as a as a basic definition or kind of mindset of what fluff is in anime, normally you would go immediately immediately to maybe cute girls doing cute things, uh, but that's not necessarily on, the only case. And Hickey, you and I were, were talking about it in uh, more detail in, for example, mech shows or action shows. Yes. Uh, the way... Well, why don't you just take it from there? You should really warn me beforehand. Uh, you know, before throwing <laughs> something on my lap, because <laughs> I was just... Yeah. Yeah. And then, why don't you go from here? I was like, wait, what? So, anyway... Well, why why not? <laughs> on, you are also on the show. Well, yeah. come on, yeah. Hickey. But you're the host. Oh well, yes. I guess you're just doing your job. Hickey. Uh, he cut out. We lost him again. Oh right. no. So basically, I mean, you can you can describe fluff as fan service or just something generally not necessary to the story at all. Um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Like for instance, back in the day, OVAs used to be. Well, they're still canon, but they used to actually have story in them. Now they tend to be either like beach episodes or just fluff or a fucking walk in the park or a date or something. Something that's not, you don't need to know at all. I would I would also expand on that with, uh, we've, I've, I've actually seen it in an anime that came out recently. And it's not the first one to do this. And that's where the story does end. Went before the credits hit in that last episode, and then it will, a show will cut. Maybe more than likely, it'll it'll do a time skip, and then that ending that you had is then immediately ruined. Whether that be emotion, uh, emotion felt, uh, kind of closing out the story, letting the uh, the viewer kind of hope or decide what they've seen. And then there's that time skip or something else happens that ruins it all. Well, so, for example, there's plenty of romance shows out there that the the show will end on a sad note, right? It's like, oh, will they, will they or won't they uh, continue the relationship or get together? And then it'll time skip uh, after the credits and show them uh, together as adults doing something. Like an epilogue? To, to me that... Yeah, it, it's really it's it's really to me pointless. Uh, I don't know, man. Yeah. There's some there's some epilogues I really liked. For instance, the uh, the epilogue to Amagami SS, 
um, which is, if everyone remembers Saren, this is the better version of it, because <laughs> things actually happen in this series. <laughs> oh, we lost Hickey. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, apparently he's got to like restart his computer or internet or something. Well, where you have, you know, there's this charged romantic moment, and they go through with the Christmas date thing, and then you get a time skip, and they're married, and they're together, and now... Amagami SS, this isn't really a spoiler because this is a, uh, <laughs> this is a, like, choose your way kind of story. So, mm-hmm. everyone gets their own route, and they all get adapted. It's actually a very interesting way to do it. I really liked it, and I really didn't like Saren. Who would have thought? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, that, that epilogue was done very well, where it's just, it kind of flowed in, and it all made sense. But, with the show I believe you're talking about, they threw plot magic at you three times and i mean what are you supposed to do you can't you can't put something together when like nothing has been contextualized through the story it just it's not believable and it hinders any kind of enjoyment you had or anything you were trying to put together in your head it basically just undercuts it undercuts the fan base you're treating your fans as you know stupid you're treating them like how you didn't see this coming you know why because you couldn't because it was impossible, because we threw bullshit at you. I was actually referring to a different show, but now that you bring that one up, that's a... that For those who don't know, I, I Joe was talking about my opinion over Kato, which is a science-driven show, and that show uh, focuses on fluff, in which here's a bunch of terms that you don't understand, we're going to set rules in the universe, and then we're going to break them with things that make zero sense... And just fill in time with explaining something that they're just making up. Basically, it feels like it's on the spot. Yeah. That is that is just the worst thing you can do in a science show. That's what you're a science-driven undercut- type you're, of show. You're just undercutting anyone who's trying to make the story make sense in their head. Making it just yeah. impossible. Yeah. It's absolutely yeah. impossible. That's what we were talking the other day. Uh, JD, before my connection issues interrupt us. Uh, right. You have the, the suspension of disbelief. And sometimes with these uh, feelings, which you call fluff, it kind of breaks your suspension of disbelief. In Karo, you say like a, a bunch of times you don't comprehend. And if you comprehend, they are dumb or just wrong. You can't take the show seriously anymore. Right. You can emerge yourself into that that fantasy world because of that. Uh, the same the same would be like the urge. Uh, the show you need to go save someone or go save a place, and they have I don't know a stupid episode where they just go to a cafe or something like that. You just stop and say, "Wait, weren't you like very stressed and?" Uh, Almost breaking down because you should save some place or save someone, and now you're in a cafe or something like that. Uh, also, yeah. now, uh, oh, now it, you know it's funny you bring up that specific thing because we're seeing a lot of shows just pulling off random cafe talks in ep- in in shows. And Tori and I have experienced what we were watching an episode of Recreators, I was a very too. recent show. Yeah, yeah, and and they. they uh, they proceed to have two characters have a serious conversation in the UFO table cafe. UFO table, <laughs> yeah. We're just we're both going. What? Why? Why there? 
what is the point of this? Advertise what is why? <laughs> I can suspend. I can. I can suspend my disbelief that you know they just wanted to eat. The problem is it's constant in recreators that they always go eat somewhere and just talk about what's happening instead of making like contextualizing things or having it happen on the spot. You don't always talk in cafes, so why is every conversation in this series seem to take place in a cafe? N- none are on the street. None are in someone like a couple are in someone's room, but I mean, <laughs> these people apparently can only talk while eating and. That's a problem. (laughs) (laughs) However, I want to throw in like um, something as well. Um, That's uh, uh, I'm not sure if anybody even remembers this show. A show called uh, Blade and Soul. uh, Okay. Came out in like 2014. Now they did something very, very weird in terms of fluff. And that was, I don't remember if the show was like 12 or 13 episodes. But the point is, sorry. The second to last episode was the last episode of the show. The last episode was a side story. A side story slash hot spring story. Like, completely oh, irre- irrelevant. Shit too. Completely irrelevant <laughs> to anything that's going on. We have no idea, like, we have no idea, like, when this takes place or anything, as far as I remember at least. But it's like, kind of just, oh, yeah, they sort of end it. They don't really end it, but it sort of ends. And then it's like, the next episode is, well... Hot Springs episode. Why? Why not? Clonod did the exact same thing when I was watching it. Because I was was watching it, and it it had an ending to that particular arc and and story, and the very next episode was a a beach episode, and I was told, no, no, that's an OVA. I was like, no, that's the last episode in the show. (laughs) And it has no purpose to what I just witnessed. (laughs) It was pure 100% fluff. And P- the, uh, the Marks will, will love it if they're into that show. And it's it's a growing trend where the fans want want this fluff to be in there. Just for the sake of either uh, seeing characters do... Just sticking with romance, because that's, that's the, most, uh, the most used genre, I feel, that uses fluff. They just want to see characters have cute smiles, uh, do cute things. They want that... They want that feeling of softness. Or, shit, uh, we're watching... Tori, you and I are watching um, uh, Kimi no Tadoke. Yeah. And that show is is 90... I would say 95% fluff. Where it's... It, Hickey, were you the one that said it looks like a uh, an atomic plant exploded glitter in the yeah. show at all times? Yeah, this was me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good... I mean, it was the only <laughs> way for me it to. It, it. Yeah, it was the only way for me to keep watching the show because it made it made everything more fun. <laughs> oh, like, my, God. my opinion on fluff, like you guys are talking, is different. Uh, so yes, we're disagreeing on something. Finally. Well, no, it's. I don't think we're disagreeing. It's just I how know, different I genres. I didn't even state it. my opinion, man. How can you disagree with me when it didn't say anything? <laughs> Let him talk, JD. Let him <laughs> talk. Right, JD, right, right, come right, on, right. I'm JD. Sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, but no, uh, I think uh, everything is important to a story. Uh, I think we let's talk about recreators because I guess this is a newer show, although this is a retrocast, but. It's a show we all watched, and we all know about the cafe scenes. 
I think they're important okay. to to tell a story. I think they're important to talk about the characters. When you're eating with someone, you know, it's the first time you're gonna eat with someone. I don't know lunch or something. Don't you notice what the, what the other person is doing? Uh, how it holds the fork, how it holds the knife, what they are eating. So I think it's character construction. Everything adds something to the show. Everything adds something to the story. The problem is the amount of times you make the same point over and over and over and over and again. What happens in recreators, okay. they eat a lot. I know how those characters eat. I know why they're eating because they explain why the characters eat a lot. But there are other things I want to see. I want them, I want to see them uh, how they run, how they walk, how they look at something. Uh, what are their thoughts on other things? The problem is they are making the same point over and over and over again with their eating, and at some point that becomes fluff because. It is adding the same thing to the story. It's not adding anything new. So the first time, second time, there's a limit you you can have with those scenes. After this limit, okay, it's just you know fluff. Yeah, I well, can get behind that. Well, for well, instance, I think... my issue with recreators is if I wanted to watch an or if I wanted to watch an audiobook, as weird as that sounds, <laughs> I would listen to an audiobook. They've done too much telling. And they haven't really showed me anything. That's not even like my problem. That's not. That's not even like um, just the fact that they're talking too much. Because I feel like I'm one of those weird guys. I can deal with a decent amount of uh, decent amount of like exposition. Hell, I watched the first the first episode of like Fate Zero, that's a forty minute episode, and I was so interested in that in that episode, even though everybody hates it because it's literally nothing but exposition. However. My problem with, re with recreators in particular and the way they do things is they spend so much time talking together and eating. And not even just eating, just talking, sitting down, having a conversation. That it essentially becomes... The show is about them talking together, pretty much. Even though it claims to be an action show, but I, apart from an occasional action scene, I disagree. Um, <laughs> and what it does is it creates problems. They have created... Like the main conflict in the, uh, in the anime came up through them talking, literally, the main conflict, the thing they're trying to avoid from happening was something that they came up with simply by talking to each other. It's a theory that they don't even know. They haven't checked to see if this is real, if this is actually happening. It's just one character, one of went, wait, if we're all here, isn't that going to mess with everything here? That sounds logical. Yes, that's probably what's going to happen. Lo and behold, that's what's happening. It's like... There's nothing that suggests that the, they should come up with this. They kind of just talk their way to this conclusion and then... Are you suggesting that the, the amount... Uh, kind of touching on what Hickey was saying was... The amount of doing the same thing over and over again becomes fluff. And that's what, what Recreators is consistently doing is... It, yes, it becomes is, fluff. Even their, even their conversations become fluff. Yes, it becomes fluff. It, it becomes fluff even because it's like... They don't have time because if they spend they they spend so much time uh, talking to each other, it essentially like um, it essentially makes it so that the show doesn't even have time to more move forward. Like it can't present the, these things like how how you know the world structure is falling apart and how 
people are going to be booted, booted from the world or whatever. They don't have time to establish these things because they're too busy focusing on these characters sitting here talking about potential problems and potential solutions. It's like you don't go anywhere. You're, you're not. It kind of eventually something's going to happen to have the movie pro, like uh, go forward. It has something has to happen to have like the story progress. Mm-hmm. However, it's kind of like. They kind of just eventually reached this point where it's like, there we go. Now the story's progressed. Let's move on. So well, I'd, I'd like to also, I'd like to also, Joe, you wanted to say something? Oh yeah, it's uh, well, that's kind of it's kind of the issue though. People are portraying the excuse that well, everything they're saying is plot relevant, so that makes it fine. It I doesn't make it, it fine. <laughs> you 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 need to, you can't just tell me everything. Yeah. Like you were bringing up Fade Zero in the forty-minute exposition episode, but that's just it. That was it. That's all the exposition. Yeah. The rest was action and, you know, there was monologuing. But, I mean, the monologuing was interesting. It wasn't monotone. It wasn't It wasn't worthless. Yeah. Recreators it did it. It wasn't a single person on screen with their lips flapping. Recreators did it so much that <laughs> now, no matter what they say, it's worthless until they do something on screen for me. Because I, yeah. ju- I just don't care. <laughs> I don't care about your theories. I don't, and they break rules. But, I mean, other than that, I just don't care. <laughs> so we've touched on we've touched on uh, uh, romance with what they do in fluff, uh, whether that's uh, epic staring, wind blowing, um, mm-hmm. just nothing happening on the screen. But uh, it's just you see the characters do it, do do nothing, but people watching it think they're doing something. <laughs> we've yeah. touched on action shows and, uh, diverting more towards conversation or or doing the same thing over and over again, becoming fluff. Uh, I'd like to go into the mech genre, the whether it's robots, it's uh, uh, space operas, anything like that. And Hickey, when we were when we were uh, just kind of going over it and going back to the suspension of disbelief, uh, you were you were mentioning along the lines of going going towards the, the the science being established and then things happening. It's not so much plot magic, but it happens so often. And breaking the universe, so to say, that that also becomes fluff for that genre. Uh, basically, things put into the anime that takes away from the plot or the show. And in, in mech, you at least from what I see, so I watch I watch a lot of mech. Uh, Joe, you watch quite a bit as well. That's right, but never forget, a hundred percent of all Gundam shows are fan service. All of them. And and yeah, well. <laughs> We see we see the massive amounts of uh, of missiles going off into just just an abyss. Of, Ooh, the Atano Circus! I love that. The Atanos, yeah, the Atano Circus. We see that's become fluff in the genre because it's it's almost like it's necessary for a mech or a, even an action show with robots to have that moment, and it's gotten old at this point. Well, yeah, that's just it's, it. it. That's why all these shows are fan service because the jargon is just for people who already watch these series, who already know what they're talking about. Like most of the people who watch, who've seen all the Gundam shows, could probably watch the series with absolutely no dialogue and still understand everything that happened. <laughs> <laughs> you already know. You already know the Universal Century. There's been a ton of shows already, thousands of episodes. <laughs> like true. You know the whole genre, or you know what they're going to do. You know what everything is, you know what it means. You just, you're tuning in so you can see the political intrigue, you can hear it, you can see the Atano Circus, you can see the cool mech and all the jargon. 
all that's all really fluff. But it's what the fans of that genre want, so it's what they get. Well, it's yeah, it's it's the term I mentioned earlier. The marks are gonna love it. Yep, exactly. And does that make it okay? I don't think so, because then it, it's holding the show back from being something truly special. Well, yeah, that's why I uh, that's why my favorite Gundam is Eighth MS Team. It was the first time they got well, not really the first time, but it's one of the first ones where they focused heavily on ground units, and that was the whole series. They didn't go into space. It wasn't a space opera. It was all mm-hmm. just contained right in there. I don't like how so, it ended, but the rest of the series is very good. Hickey, you want you, I? I don't know if you remember what you you said exactly. I'm going to put you on the spot again because I yeah. <laughs> I don't know what what it is today. But I, I'm I'm I was really interested in what you were saying, and I had to I had to leave. So I I, I would like to pick your brain a little bit more on uh, what you were saying with like scientific leaps in the suspension of disbelief in terms of whether it's an action, a mech, any any type of show along those lines. Well, basically, the suspension of disbelief is when you can, you know, put aside everything you know about reality and just go with what the show, what the book, what the movie is, is telling you. Gundam, I used, I think I used Gundam as, a, as an example. Gundam does a really good job at suspending your, your disbelief. They talk, they talk about, uh, about clones and giant robots, some weird... Uh, power supplies and you just sit there doesn't matter what Gundam are you watching you were watching and you can believe that that it's believable okay humans went to space you have you had that battle that huge battle everyone talks about okay it's fine the problem is when a show keeps pulling out uh, scientific terms out of the sleeve and you're like, wait, there's this problem. This show has this problem. And everyone is trying to figure out a problem. Or they never mention this problem. You, they, they show you the problem, but they never mention, mention the solution for the problem. And suddenly, they put out a scientific jargon out of this live, and it's done. I'm like, wait, what? That's, that's not true. That's, that's not how things work. You just simply can't pull out something you never talked about and go with that solution. That breaks your... Well, Full Metal Panic is kind of guilty of that. Yeah. That's also a comedy, though. Yeah, yeah. but it's still, it's still pretty hard, it's, Mac. Yeah, it's... Yeah, you're, you're, you know, I can't disagree, actually, with that. I was trying to maybe play the devil, Devil's Advocate, but Full Metal Panic did the same thing. Yeah. So what happens? Uh, what, here's, here's a large, here's a large leap and bound of just you just have to accept what's happening. <laughs> yeah, and that's a problem. A show can talk, uh, can talk to you and say, "Look, accept what I'm talking." That's not how things works. Uh, the show needs to trust you. Uh, needs to gain your trust. You know, what happens is when they pull out a. Sometimes it happens with comic relief as well. But when they pull out a scientific jargon or some something that magically uh, kind of makes everything better, it pulls you out of the fantasy world. Pulling you out of the fantasy world, you go back to reality. Going back to reality, you see that everything you watched, it's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> Excuse my language, but that's what happens. And that's really bad for the show. You see... Let's put it. You see the fluff better. Uh, you you put your mm-hmm. 
glasses and you can see everything they're doing. That's usually really bad for show. Doesn't help so much with anime, but anime has a problem with suspension of disbelief a lot. Uh, sometimes you don't even... They can't even put you in the state of suspension of disbelief to begin with. I think the I think the earliest example that at least in uh, in my generation experiencing whether it's suspension of disbelief or the first first moment of true fluff that everyone could agree on is the uh, the scene in Dragon Ball Z where Goku is trying to conjure a spirit bomb for like five straight episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the entirety of Dragon Ball Z. I thought you were gonna go with uh, the slap heard around the world and do you remember love. <laughs> no, I was kind of no. Uh, just from just from a general fan's perspective, because e- even people who weren't anime fans, they were just but they were into Dragon Ball Z, were going, "What the hell is happening right now?" We've seen him put his arms up in the air for like seventy straight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> is this going to happen or what? That is to me the what what I experienced as the the first moment of fluff, because yeah. it was no long. It was it was. As epic as the moment was, it was slowly being taken away over time by doing the same thing over and over again. Well, it was too long. And you you couldn't it was, you couldn't possibly care long. for that long, right? Um, and that that kind of goes into what I wanted to go into, which was sh- uh, the sh- the young boy, the shonen genre, the action epics, you might say, where a lot of fluff in that uh, that genre is, or those types of shows are really just the the constant monologues of the two characters spouting ideals at each other. Such as, we can bring up One Piece, where every fight is Luffy going, I'm going to be king of the pirates, I'm going to win, I'm going to kick your ass. And it's the repeated, it's the same repeated lines over and over again. So there comes to a point where you're just tuning it out. And that's fluff. (laughs) And it happens in every single show along those lines. Uh, I'm sure Toriko's no different. Uh, I'm uh, Prince of Tennis is a sports anime, and they they do shit like that all the time, where it's I'm gonna win this match over and over again. Prince of Tennis <laughs> is a much gonna... harder comedy than uh, One Piece, though. Well, it's a much harder comedy, yeah. But so... you you get where I'm going with all of that. Absolutely. Well, all I'm all I was getting at was uh, if you don't you know if they don't sit there and take on like their or spout their beliefs and stuff, it's kind of it kind of turns to a regular sports anime. And if it's just regular sports anime, then it's not exactly a comedy. It can still be comical, but because you know how those people act, because they tell you so often, it kind of just enhances that comedic aspect. Hmm. Also, it's not it's not exactly a, a high bar in linguistic skill. So, as you know, you watched it in German originally. So you didn't have to sit did. there and, uh, you didn't have to sit there and, you know, look up every two words. It's pretty it's pretty on the nose it's pretty easy no i for for those who don't know german is not my first language (laughs) and watching one piece in german was incredibly easy to learn the language because the the writing is incredibly simplistic they repeat lines a lot so i never have to i never had to really find myself going back and forth to the 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 uh the word dictionary too much the word book you might say that's direct translation. Um, the the amount of dialogue became so repetitive that that 
in in turn became fluff as well. Was it great for me learning German? Absolutely. Uh, does it add to the entertainment of the show? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. What I've what I've noticed in the shonen genre is uh, they tend to be taking everything a lot slower, and I'm I'm no, very yes. very on board with that. I love the way they're treating Boku no Hero and uh, Hickey. I know you're not into the show, but that's really fine. I like that they're taking it slow and they're not trying to rush through the content because there's not exactly a ton of content to go over right now. I'll take a year break to keep getting the story instead of having you know a hundred episodes of filler Naruto style in a row. <laughs> Oof, and it's not even close. <laughs> Oh, ten no, times I, out of ten. Yeah, I might not like that much Boku no Hero Academia, but I I have to praise them because they don't have a lot of fluff. Okay, they no, they're real, that's a show without any. They as, as keep everything seen. straight, so at least that. And some other points, I can I can I I need to give credits. I need to be fair with the show. It is tightly done, but it is a little slow for some people, and I can totally understand that. And it doesn't. I I don't know about that. It doesn't. It doesn't feel slow at all, because they're 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 in the middle of a tournament arc. They're in the middle. Oh. Well, they. I mean, a motherfucking tournament arc. I mean, I I fucking I fucking made the joke yesterday that the top ten anime of spring number two was My Hero Academia and number one was episode twenty three of My Hero Academia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, honestly, the the season was a stretch. It felt like it felt like a lot of shows contained fluff, and that's what brought up this topic in my head. It just everything I was watching from Kato uh, was was nothing but science fluff, and then turning it upside down to say "fuck you." <laughs> We're gonna make up this these new scientific terms and new plot, so accept it. My suspension of disbelief was completely uh, taken away. <laughs> um, I've I've seen. Uh, parts of Suki Gakure, which is a junior high romance anime that Please diverts stop. from. No, no, no <laughs> I have to, I have to bring it up because it, it diverts so much from from what it was trying to be, and threw in things that didn't need to be there, and that was fluff. Uh, Recreators, that's another show from this past season where it was action fluff, where everything was taken away through conversation. Oh, um, it, it wasn't action fluff. That was just subversion. You wanted an action show. You got a conversation want... piece, right? <laughs> and that's that's kind of uh, what, what's what's another show from this season that's a great. Uh, Aramaga Sensei is entirely fluff. Okay, <laughs> well, go on with that. Uh, Tori, you haven't spoken in a while. I haven't. Um, no. Wow. No, he's in his his suspension of disbelief on this conversation is is at its peak. I mean, I don't know what. How do you talk about Aramaga Sensei? Like, I mean. I don't, I don't like it. To me, it's you know, it's fluff. It's just, it's it's not even fluff that I can get behind. Like I, all I see is you know, like the common like incest joke in anime and the goddamn <laughs> and the goddamn like twelve uh, like fetish, like fetishizing. But, but Tori, if you look and... past it, the show's great. If you simply look past like, all the flaws, every show is great, dude. What oh I what I keep seeing with that show is Except that it is, you know, the common joke with this the common joke with this show is that you know it's trash that transcends trash. You become <laughs> trash to watch this show. It is so bad that it is great. 
right? It's one, it's one of those. I, I just said that I cannot get on board with that. Maybe it's because of my fucking aversion to to incest and to like you know fetish, fetishizing twelve year olds and whatnot. And you know, I don't find it funny when a twelve year old goes up and says the line, "I love dick." Everyone my age loves dick. I just that's the sort of stuff that just makes me go nuts. Like I, I hate that. I get them all hot and bothered. <laughs> Yeah, no, it gets me bothered. <laughs> Just bothered. Nothing Just else. Bothered. It doesn't get him hot, but he does get him bothered. Yeah, very bothered. Oh, uh, yeah, no. So, like, I don't know. Aramanga says it was not good, in my opinion, at least. That's. that's well, Aramanga says I earned a one in my heart. Aramanga oh, no. says it was only beaten out for me as the worst show of 2017 by Handshakers. And that's because at least Aramanga says say. When it wants to, it looks okay. Handshakers couldn't even do that. <laughs> Those twelve-year-olds look fine. The soundtrack Everyone is, have the is good. Is saying that? All right, good. <laughs> so here's here's a question I want to spur. Then, okay, is would this be considered fluff at this point, where we've see, we see a show with characters who are supposed to be adults, and I'm not going with full lolly type little girl character art and design. I'm just going with more along the line of, and I see it in Prince of Tennis uh, as a reference, is the characters look like they're possibly, uh, let's say 20, but they're in junior high. And it does work the reverse age where they look 20, or they're supposed to be 20, but they look all of nine years old. Uh, Does that take index. away from the story and become fluff, or is it just something else? That's I mean, that's just character art, and as long as it's not portrayed disgustingly, I really don't have a problem with it, to be honest. What I feel about it, though, is essentially, you know, what you get is you do both of them. Like, you know, teacher from Index, for example, he's like, what, 40 years old? He looks six Seven. best. <laughs> yeah. Um, Right, it's you have that, and then you have the other one. You have like the, you know, the younger girls, the fifteen-year-olds, the fourteen-year-olds, and they look like a mature woman. It's like, mm. and what I what I feel with that is usually it's to me that's just you know fan service, essentially. Is is and that not fluff though? You can't, yo, know, definitely. But um, that is kind of the thing. I I see it as, you know, you say fluff, and I just say fan service, which yes, again, kind of different word for it, but it's essentially that. You know, right. you you get something. It wants you to get something from it, right? It's like it's that fun, but it, you can be, it can be portrayed as so many things. It's like, uh, the, like for example, to bring up the teacher in uh, Index again. What is she? Is she a like perversion of a of a child? From what I remember, not really. It's mostly a joke, right? She looks seven. <laughs> it's supposed to be funny. She can drive. She has a license. How she can drinks, she drive? She, she smokes. Can, yeah, no, but like she can, she can drive. She has a license. How can she license? They make the joke that she cannot even reach the pedals in the car. How did she get a license? <laughs> right, stuff like that. It's like and that can, it, well, that's, it that takes away from my even taking the character seriously at all. She's not supposed to. Be I've taken. seen I've seen that I've seen that show, and there are moments where the character is supposed to be taken seriously. No, her. Does have something to do with the plot, but you just go, why? Why would I even listen to what you say? <laughs> uh, that teacher, she's the Jar Jar Binks of Index, so she's not supposed to be taken seriously. Uh, <laughs> maybe they shouldn't write. Maybe they shouldn't write her into important roles. Then <laughs> I wouldn't say she has many important roles. <laughs> Ultimately, she is still a teacher, so she does have that responsibility, honor to right. at least try. Yeah, which is, most, which is mostly played as a joke every time because she can't, and it's like it's supposed to be funny when you have like. You know, people come to her for advice or for, uh, like, they they just, like, 
to talk to her, to be comforted by her or whatever. And it's like, here you have this guy who was like twice her size and looked like, it's like he's he, he getting advice from what seems to be a five-year-old. That's <laughs> <laughs> right, so mostly, it, it mostly, they mostly, at least from my memory, they mostly played in like the comedy angle. Does she, does she need to be in the show? Absolutely not. Yeah, there's really no point for her being there. Well, do you you guys have any other examples or parts of fluff you want to bring up? Not really. No, not exactly. No. Think I, we think we made our point? Yeah. Yeah, I well, guess. Fluff done well can be can be good, but for the most part, it's it's kind of not. It's basically just a waste of time. It's usually just a bastardization. Of course. I kind of liked I, I kind of liked what Hickey what Hickey was bringing up, and that's. Um, until it's overdone, it's not fluff. You want to keep if you keep making things fresh and show the characters doing new things to. I think that brings more to the character. That's that would be definitely a guideline, and it seems like that guideline's ignored for for good storytelling. Well, it's like you were yeah. saying, if you're a mark for the show, you're gonna like it. The problem yeah. is you're not a mark for every show. So every time there is one of those scenes that are made for fans, you notice it if you're not the mark. And that's yeah, right. the problem. You notice it immediately. Yeah. It's because it's so on the nose and obvious. Yeah, and that kind of brings me up because I just I just thought of something that I can talk about as well, and that's like you know because I know most of you guys here don't don't particularly care for Arya, even though it's my favorite okay, show. Okay, sure. Right? I and gave I it a nine. People will I look like at it. that. Okay, but Hickey, you like everything. <laughs> don't. Yeah. It's Hickey, no, he fine. watches uh, everything. But, uh, <laughs> but like, what, what Arya does, right? And I know a lot of people. Now I, I don't know if you you're the ones who wants to say this, of course. But what a lot of people I see a lot of people who has watched it will say, you know, for example, I watched the first season. It's like it's just fluff. There's nothing. Like it doesn't do anything. But what I feel, but with that show is that while of course a lot of it is essentially fluff and not really like it's not important. It's not. They're not having dialogue or anything for some sort of greater purpose than just hanging out or just doing whatever or for whatever reason. However, what I feel like Arya does with it is it take it does it for a purpose. It's trying to con- to connect bonds. It's trying to connect the characters, like uh, tie bonds between the characters, and it's trying to also tie those bonds to you, the viewer. So of course, that there becomes an issue already, right? It's either you're into this stuff and you can like get get on board with it, and you can become like me. Where I sit there and I see like the episode where Ica burns has grown out her hair and it starts burning and she has to cut it and she's upset and I'm upset. Normally, this is the sort of stuff I don't care about. However, because I care for these characters, this is the sort of I understand why she's upset and her being upset makes me upset. However, if you're not a Marfa stuff and you do not care, you're gonna see stuff like this and just think to yourself, what's the point? And your what eyes are just gonna roll into the next dimension. Essentially, yes. <laughs> I thought I thought the cat was uh, was the the fe- the feline version of pure fluff. Well, I mean, the cat is Arya, so the cat is Arya. Point. And it's, you're also <laughs> yeah. you're also right because the thing, the way the cat works, while the cat is while the cats are a plot point in Arya, they're essentially like the the author says, she essentially got the idea because she has a cat and like her assistants has a, has cats. And they bring the cats over, and they thought it'd be fun to put it, put them into the manga. So yes, you're kind of right. They are essentially fluff, but they decided to also make a story story around them. Well, oh, that's boy. well, that's kind of the thing, though, because you know, I watched Arya on your recommendation, at least the first two seasons. Yeah. I didn't really wow. like it. You, you didn't did watch, watch it on my recommendation <laughs> with my manga. eyes. Anyway, 
You didn't watch it on my recommendation. That's a lie. Come on. (laughs) Anyway, I watched it. I wasn't very fond of it, but you could tell it was doing what it was supposed to do well. It It had good music. It had good art. It had fine animation. And it... I just wasn't a mark for the series. Originally, I scored this what a seven or an eight, I just because I, just because I thought it was it did what it was supposed to do well. I just wasn't a mark for the series. Now, granted, I put that down because you kept complaining. But <laughs> <laughs> how do you give a seven oh, to something you don't like? Very yep. easy. I still think it did things well, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually that's actually a good conversation for another time. Uh, can you can you uh, give praise to a show you didn't like? Of course I can. Um, I do it all the time. Unfor- unfortunately, that's probably something we all agree agree on, which is yes. <laughs> uh, so we can't really Not have a good conversation about did it. We, but okay, you, so we've reached me? the hour mark. Go. I think it's time we move on to a very hateful and controversial topic in a lot of people's minds, especially with anime fans today, is The Tragic Girlfriend. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hooray. Hooray. Woo! Yay. Well, My I'm going to pick this up right now. I think The Tragic Girlfriend is a pathetic storytelling um, like trope. Okay, go on. I like where you're going with this. It forces the viewer to either A, totally buy that this is a super sad moment, or B, not like the show because you have to you have to feel it. And if you don't feel it, the show's not for you. It's why mm-hmm. I it's why I didn't like Clannad. It's why I didn't really it's why I don't like most key shows, because they're all just it's like, oh wow, this looks really good. Wow, this music's pretty good. Oh my god, they're animated really well. Oh, and the story just went to shit because I saw that coming at episode one, but I'm supposed to feel bad now at episode twenty eight. And I just don't <laughs> care. <laughs> Uh, so there are times where the opposite's true, though. For instance, uh, Anohana. I didn't like Anohana, but to make you feel for a character you knew was dead from episode one is a feat in and of itself. It's very surprising that you know so many people cared, even though they outright told you the first episode she's dead. They didn't sugarcoat it at all. They said, you know, we lost a friend. That was the entire premise of the series. Right. So I thought that was very well done but still ultimately kind of a tragic girlfriend story. And I I don't like being told how to feel when I watch a series. I like trying to be guided to certain emotions. But if I don't feel those emotions, the story shouldn't break for me. And in Tragic Girlfriends, that's more than likely the case. Yeah. So for the, for, for the audience that's not totally familiar with what we're talking about, I'm sure you've seen a show somewhere along the line of of an example of where a character is uh, described as frail, uh, gets sick easily, um, there could be a death ensue uh, that's telegraphed way before it was supposed to happen. Um, And the funny thing about anime is we never actually really know what they're sick with. I've come to the conclusion and the joking conclusion that it's the winter (laughs) disease, otherwise known as influenza, (laughs) which they make vaccines for. So AKA no one in Japan vaccinates their kids. You spent a good, what, two hours looking up vaccines in Japan just to make this joke. I, well, it wasn't solely for the joke, but it it did become a thing. It's for the joke now. Okay. Well, it did become a thing. Um, so for a good example would be to bring up uh, a very, very popular show, which is Your Lie in April, where the main character, uh, Kaori, 
is immediately the the audience is immediately told that she has a life-threatening uh illness and for me i didn't yes the sh- the the show it, it, it doesn't have to be also a female it can be also the male and the main character uh what was his name uh kose yes 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 kose uh suffered from child abuse and his mom died and he suffers basically a PTSD kind of thing out of it. So we have two... The two main characters are both a tragic... Let's keep with the theme here. Tragic girlfriend. Uh, one we, we know is, is stricken with illness. And is probably going to die. And then the other is PTSD and crying a lot. <laughs> I can agree with you, Joe, that yes, the show wants you to feel this way. And it, and it really throws it in your face. It really relies on you feeling it, that it way. It relies on you feeling that way. And then that's where, and because it does that, that's where the comedy then falls hard if the comedy doesn't sit with you right. Now, don't get me wrong. I liked your line, April. I thought it was fine. I, I didn't think it was as good as everyone made it out to be. For instance, I think Erase was a better, uh, a better kind of tragic girlfriend story. And yeah, they're children, but I mean... It was just kind of like you felt for the character better because you knew, you know, she was getting abused and you, you saw it and the reactions seemed more real. Cause towards the end of um, towards the end of your lie in April, Kosa actually forgives his mother. It's something that I could never see myself doing, and it's something that doesn't make sense to his character because he's been dealing with this his entire life. But he just kind of goes, "Oh, you did this for me." Oh, I'm so glad you beat the shit out of me my entire life so I could be good at playing piano. I love you, Mom. That was bullshit. <laughs> I thought that was total bullshit. I couldn't accept it. No, I mean, there were there were things like that that was keeping keeping the, uh, the score, just as an example, from being perfect with that show, and it was things like that. Um, uh, you, you brought up Erased, how uh, the girl who was abused, when... The main character goes to her. He's like, "Do you do you want me to take you away?" And she goes, "Like, I couldn't be happier. Get me out of that house." Kind of deal. That that was a more realistic feeling than just ultimately forgiving someone who basically made your childhood a living hell. <laughs> well, that's that's just it, though. Like, I I feel like it was just portrayed in a more believable fashion. That's why I think it's a better series because you, if someone's beating the shit out of you, I don't care how old you are, you know something's wrong. <laughs> you, you know it. You just you know it. Yeah. And no. her name was Kayo, by the way, in Erased. Kayo, um, that's right. Kayo. She spends most of that series trying to deal with it herself until someone offers a hand. Uh, Kose in Your Lion April gets his ass beat until his mother dies, and then he forgives her. And that's really like I understand you have to forgive your parents eventually, but it didn't sit right. No, uh, and and there's a moment in your line, April, where that moment where he does forgive her, and he and there's an epic piano scene. Uh, the you do feel the character's emotion, but is it truly believable? Is it a, it's a different story in itself? And that's kind of our problem with how this 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 uh, tragic persona is being is being put in anime. And that's that. Hickey, what do what do you got what do you got to say on this uh, this topic? Um... You've been quiet. I don't mind the tragic girlfriend. My problem, like like we were talking before, 
is the suspension of disbelief. I can't get myself to fully enjoy a show where I know what the outcome is. So usually when mm -hmm. I watch a show about a tragic girlfriend, I go for the outcome. I know what's gonna happen in the end. They told me already. But I want to see them progressing through the story and see if the ending will be will have such impact they are promising me. Uh, other uh, okay, so then continuing with your your lie in April with uh, yeah your lie your lie in April at the end of your lie in April. Part of me, a small part of me, was hoping she would survive. So for me, I like your lie in April. I like the outcome of your lie in April. Uh, although I read the manga before the anime, and the anime has some flaws that doesn't the, the manga don't have. But at the end of the manga, I was like, okay, uh, I have like 60% of chance of her dying and 40% of chance of surviving. <laughs> and what happened? I was like, okay, I was expecting that, but still, it got me there. Something that, oh, it's either that or... When the tragic girlfriend trope just hit you like a truck, you know, now, comes out of nowhere. Could, now, like, could that be the opposite? Could the manga have a better ending than the anime, but the no. anime ruins it? No, no, no. For instance, Fuka. Replace moments with fluff. <laughs> Replace moments. It replace a tragic girlfriend moment with absolute fluff. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I, I kind of don't want to touch on Fuka exactly because that's kind of a, an interesting case of uh, not adapting properly. Well, I can agree with that. I I very vehemently do not agree with where the anime went and what it did instead of what happened in the manga. And but, I was a manga fan before the anime was even announced. As a matter of fact, I was reading the volume where they announced the anime. And I was actually really excited, because I really like band shows. Anyone who knows me knows I like music shows, except for K-On. But... <laughs> <laughs> what about one? Except for that one. <laughs> but um, I finally watched it, and I, I wasn't exactly ecstatic with how they were adapting it up to that point. But then that happened, and I totally fucking shut off on the series. It was like, it was like someone spit in my face, because you, you took what, what was a very interesting, like romance breakdown and a character study and you turned it into an average anime mm -hmm. you just Below average if you ask me well i yeah. it earned a one in my book uh. you spit in all the fans faces i can't accept that well i can expand on the whole spit on the fans faces thing and this is where we're gonna get into clonade I, I, I feel this is a good good turning point for that uh that it is a show filled with the tragic girlfriend <laughs> just a, a, something tragic happening to a character but ultimately it's immediately taken away within an I episode or two everything's reset every time or, or within the same episode it never happened and we mentioned uh kosei from Euroline april forgiving uh his mom we see the same thing in Clannad happened, so perhaps your line April ripped it off from Clannad. Where well, the uh, difference with um, Kose and your line April is he forgave her. He didn't forget. So to that point, I can I can give the nod to your line April that at least he didn't forget what happened to him his entire right. childhood. The resets, 
nothing happened. That was that was basically it. It was it was like it never happened. Like you wasted your time. <laughs> well, uh, what what happened in Clannad? Um, avoiding, I guess, some spoilers, but you can't really do it when everything, nothing counts in the show in the end. <laughs> um, the the main our main character Tomo Yo Yeah, who cares? Tomo Yeah. Tomo Yeah. He. Tomo Yeah, indeed. He uh he grew up with a single father who's a drunk, a deadbeat, um, a loser, and all of a sudden he he gets this epiphany where he needs to forgive him for no reason. Anyone disagree with that? I disagree. With no, that. that's basically how I viewed it. I disagree. He just with that. he just randomly has an epiphany at a field because he meets his grandmother. No, I, I disagree with that. Goes, I heavily disagree with that. You you disagree with that? Yeah, I heavily disagree with that. I think... Uh, so we're talking about after story as well. Uh, I think that... That would be after story, yes. Yeah, he forgave his father because he went the same way. Uh, so I think when he... He experienced the same thing his father experienced. And, and he was... he be, uh, I almost gave a spoiler uh when you know he was at the same situation of his his father uh he made the same choices as his father he saw what was what he was doing and was like oh shit uh so i did the same thing i don't think it's i don't think it's right for me to keep ignoring my father after what i did you know well, at the same time, the uh, himself did. at the same time in Western media, the sins of the father trope are very common. So it wasn't like for me being, you know, American. It's not fresh for me to see that in Japan. It may, it may be. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might be onto something, Joe, with that one. Because I, I, we're very we, we used, see, we we're very that, used to yeah, Western we see that media stuff so often. Yeah, like we yeah, see it in on. the Walking Dead and everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> But what I think, though, especially with Clonad, it's, um, I think that it, it probably, a lot worse was like, it's one thing with Tomei forgiving his father, but it's one thing as well with, uh, you know, him treating his own daughter as shit, essentially, and not pretend, pretend like she isn't there or that she doesn't exist or just doesn't want anything to do with her, only to then kind of one day show up and be like, you know what, I should probably be a father to her, and then it's like the the guys, the people who are, the people who have been been racing her. They're like, yeah, sure, I have her back. That's like that hmm. was my problem, Tori. That's exactly where I broke. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't care when someone who raised this child for years, knowing that the father was a piece of shit, was just willing to give the kid back like it was nothing, because well, he's still her father. That's bullshit. You know for sure you are raising that kid better than that guy will. Maybe they just, just didn't want to raise the kid. Never think about that, huh? Maybe they're just taking tired of it. No, I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. We don't. We don't. We don't. We don't want a tragic girlfriend in our lives again. <laughs> That's what the parents were really thinking. We've already yeah. had one. We don't want another. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you know what happens when you birth a Mary Sue. Someone's got to go. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, so uh, we uh, there's actually a show coming out in the summer. And we made fun of it uh, two podcasts ago. It's called Cleon's Light. But where 
It's about a illness-stricken, bullied orphan girl. So it's almost, <laughs> almost like we're getting all of these tragic tropes yeah. in one person. And she disappears. <laughs> I wanna, it's becoming comical. I, I want to ask a question, though. like Because okay. when it comes to uh, tragic girlfriends, it's like, how do you feel uh, about, let's say, something, um, something like uh, Plastic Memory, for example, which is a tragic girlfriend story? However... Yes. Similar, it's kind of doing the similar thing to um, Anohana, where it's essentially, it's established literally as you're introduced to these, of course they're robots, but like, they they bring up many questions, but essentially what they know is like, she is past her due due date, she is going to break down at any point, you should not get close to her, he decides to get close to her anyways, and where it's kind of like, it's a ticking clock, you always know it's going to happen eventually it happens right so it's like how do you feel about those shows like that kind of tries to i don't know like it doesn't try to pull pull the wall over your eyes it kind of like it's you it tells you right away from what it wants to be what this is well not necessarily plastic i'm not necessarily talking about plastic memory because in my opinion plastic memory is a bad bad example of that but you know stories like that so i'm of the opinion that there's no such thing as a bastard concept there's no concept that is always bad Everything can be done well. The problem is, usually, tragic girlfriends aren't, because whoever's writing it either doesn't have the prowess to make you feel that without giving you bullshit, or you don't engage in the story, or the story's not for you. So, like, um, I actually, I appreciate when shows come out and tell you exactly what they are, originally, if it's going to be something like that, personally. Mm -hmm. Because... I'll just know, you know, I'll just ignore it. I don't want to get nine episodes into a series that's going to be 24 episodes and just be like, oh, this is going to be a tragic girlfriend. Your character may or may not die. We don't know. (laughs) Well, yeah, we do know because in episode nine, you said she has winter disease. She has anime girl syndrome. She's going to die. So I do influenza and winter's coming. (laughs) So I do (laughs) appreciate. So I do appreciate like um, I appreciate Anohana doing that from the get go. Again, that series just wasn't for me, but I do understand why people like it. And... I would like uh, to make an analogy here. Now that you bring up, uh, Tori, you, br- you brought up uh, the Anohana versus Plastic Memory. Mm-hmm. Are you guys, I'm going to date myself a little bit here. Are you guys familiar with The Price is Right, the original Bar Barker show? Yeah. No. Okay. Nope. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's, it's a game show. Again, uh, I'm the only American. Yeah, well, I don't know. I saw the prices right. It was on in Germany, so it could be on Brazil and Norway. But it could have, but I haven't seen it. So it's it's a game show where you essentially guess the price uh, of of items. Say, let's for example, a a can of spaghettios or a the price of a brand new football. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a game called Cliffhanger, where you guess a price, and the further and further away from the price you guess. The cliff, the uh, the mountain climber will then go up the cliff, and at the end, if you go over a price point, the guy will fall off. So I'd like to make that as an example of storytelling from Plastic Memories to Anahana. What Anahana did well was it set the premise, so you got your item, and you were able to guess where this was going to go, and whether that's you were right or wrong, you're going up the cliff. It's good storytelling. As, And she wasn't totally the focus. She was the catalyst to the story. 
Well, it was like taking an open book test, right? Versus taking an open book test in a different language. <laughs> so, <clears throat> as the story progressed in Anahana, uh, the ma- the uh, the living characters in the story had to deal with said catalyst. So the cliff, the uh, the mountain climbers going up the mountain until finally that peak climax at the end, and it doesn't fall off because you as the viewer weren't I, I in my opinion weren't totally forced to feel bad for the the girl you felt bad for the characters because they finally had to do what they had to do that was the peak that was done well now what plastic memories didn't do well was as the mountain climber goes up and up the mountain and the in the plots going you don't truly feel for what the character's going through because they constantly uh, reiterate and tell you this is going to happen. But you already knew that from the start. So when it when the mountain climber reaches the p- top of the mountain and it finally does happen, it just falls hard because you go, yeah, that was supposed to happen. Why should I, f- why should I b- have... Uh, overreacting emotions and and crying for the character where it, where it was inevitable. So basically, why should I feel bad for the male character then? Yeah, he should. He as much as myself should have expected that and not fallen into that trap. So basically, what you're saying is, um, I've been over this. Why isn't he? Because he knew the entire time what was going to happen. Whereas with. Anohana, they already understood that that is what happened. They were right. getting over it the entire story. That was the story. Yeah. While Plastic Memories, it wasn't a catalyst. It was their means to uh, an improper end. Well, they were trying. Really? They were trying to make that the climax, and exactly. it just kind of it kind of fell flat because you knew it was going to happen the entire time. Why yeah. wouldn't you know? They I mean, told you. <laughs> I mean, that's like um, you know. Uh, what Anohana does as well. It's I feel like what Anohana does well is it's, on top of just having, you know, on top of just doing the she's already dead, uh, let's work to get over that. And that's kind of the th- side story, right? It's not so much about the sadness, like, you know, feeling it, the feelings at the end, doesn't necessarily come from the fact that she is dead or the fact that she's disappearing. It's about, you know, the um, characters having to work to kind of get over and accept that this happened. Which kind of goes into the other the other plot point of Anohana, where it's because of these things happening, they're all kind of blaming themselves and each other for not doing it, for not being there for her, for not helping her, or for like blaming themselves for her death, essentially. So they're kind of growing apart. And kind of the show is spent trying to reconnect those characters to kind of forgive and like forgive each other and themselves, especially realizing that this is not something that they this is not their fault she didn't die because of them she died because she was a she was unfortunate and got in an accident they're not to blame and they're kind of trying to reconnect the characters whereas plastic memories on the other hand it's kind of goes into that problem where i like say you know he brought it on himself is it sad that his you know robot girlfriend died yes Yes, of course it is. Like it's always sad when somebody you, you when somebody you hold dear uh, dear die. But one of those was like you have always known that this was 
gonna be the end result. You were praying for the faint chance that maybe this one will not. And in the end, no, this one as well. This one dies as well. So it's like, you know, yes, it's sad for you, but you kind of had it coming. Yeah, it never really... It never really gave you that state of mind, like Hickey said earlier, with uh, what he felt in your line April, where there was that almost almost fifty fifty shot. Yeah. Well, at least there yeah. was a teetering point, whereas in Plastic Memories, there there really wasn't. It yeah, no, it had never just, just happened. Straight off. What was the mountain climber? Just went straight off. What was? It was, it yeah. Was, yeah. What was? That? I think it was like a zero point one percent chance that maybe. <laughs> that's and like, that's no, not that's enough that's for me to hold on to. That's like, dude. I might be strong, but I ain't that strong. <laughs> probably not going to happen. And if it doesn't, if it does happen, you know, it's nothing short of a miracle. Well, that's the problem, though, because if it did happen, I would call that entire series bullshit. Yeah. But because it didn't happen, well, it's just fucking another tragic girlfriend story. There was really no positive spin to do to that. Mm-hmm. There was no. It kind of no, lost its really. point. There was no like. Um, there was no good thing to happen. Now, one one movie that has come out fairly recently, and I won't go into spoilers in this one, is A Silent Voice, where it focuses on a guy and a girl, and one of the girls is deaf. And as I, I just want to bring up the point with what Anahana does, or did, was fo- was the, the tragic girlfriend was the catalyst to the story, and that's what happens in Silent Voice. And then it, it actually takes it up, to, I say, to another level because of what ends up being the focus is not her, but her impacting our protagonist's life. So we're not actually feeling totally sorry and balls out crazy for her as much as another character. And that's not utilizing a tragic girlfriend to be just this trope where you must feel bad. It's proper character development from what it's, you just said to me. <laughs> yes, it's it's done well, and that's why I I personally think it's better than your name, honestly, because it does that. I don't think they're even really comparable, with the exception that they're both new and kind of romance stories. Yeah, but at the I same mean, shit, Blame came out, and that's an action show, and that that has its merits as well. <laughs> you should totally compare them. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Your compare your name versus Blame. What's better? Well, Blame, but I'm a mark for that series. <laughs> Who did it better? <laughs> who did it better? Blame well, you can compare. Well you can compare based on who did it better, but I mean, that's not really the point. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think the action in Blame was so much better than in yours. <laughs> but uh, Joe, the, the whole reason why that, yeah, what, the whole reason, yeah, the action in Blame was so much better than a silent voice in your name. <laughs> Damn, you got one there. Well, you fucking showed me. <laughs> uh, well, when I was watching uh, A Silent Voice, Joe, this is where the, the, this topic kind of came up, was uh, it's actually worry now that perhaps more and more shows are just going to have a handicapped person of some kind just in a show for the sake of it, for you to feel bad, and marks are going to just lick it up. Well... There is one exception to that rule, and that is uh, Gangsta. Okay. The, uh, Tori, what studio did Gangsta? Uh, Manglobe. 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 Yeah, they just went under. Yep. Um, Closed Globe? I, yep. I've read, globe. I've read that manga, <laughs> and I really, really enjoy it. What they did to the anime was good until it wasn't in the most cliched possible way I can say. 
but the way they portray Nico, the uh, the main character, oh, yes, he's a, he's mm-hmm. a deaf guy, right? So they had a deaf guy play him. He sounds very genuine, very believable when he talks, and they don't portray him as this weak, like nothing guy. They don't portray him like he's handicapped. He right. li- he very literally is handicapped. He can't hear. Mm-hmm. But the way they portray him is still the strong main character. He's He still has his own character development. You still understand him. So if you can portray a, a, a character that's handicapped as still a normal person, because ultimately, they're still normal people. Like, no matter, no matter mm-hmm. what, they have their own thoughts. And I think it's gross, straight up gross, when you're going to portray a character that has a handicap as wor- or that has a handicap as worthless just because they have that handicap. So if they start doing that in a lot of series, if they start making characters that are thrown in there to be like weak, pathetic nothings, I will be very offended, technically. I mean, there's no other way to say it. That's straight well, up offensive. You're, t- you're treating people as second class. What are, the, what are the odds then? Okay, so let's go in some theories here because this is where I ultimately wanted to end up. Because I'm salivating at making fun of the show. It's called Cleon's Light, as I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Illness-stricken, bullied, orphan girl. That's everything in one. Yes. I want to hear each of your opinions over what do you think this character is going to be in the story. Because we honestly know nothing about the show. (laughs) (laughs) I swear to God, if this is a hard drama, this is going to be gross. This is going to be horrible. It looks like it's going to be a drama, from what I understand. If this was a comedy, I might be able to look past it. But what? it doesn't look that way. It's going to be an unintentional comedy because everything we're talking about here is probably going to be in the show. And that's oh disgusting to me. That's what I, very disgusting. What gets me, though, with that story is, like, what I've seen. The, the three like, genres I've seen attached to this so far has been drama, which understandable based on that fucking girl. Just <laughs> having her in there is drama. Uh, like, fucking dra- drama. You have mystery and adventure which kind of adventure yes which is one of those things which like it makes me what are they looking for there are they gonna adventure what is like <laughs> are they looking for her dead parents are they is, oh yeah over under they're her looking parents for are the dead. corpses of her dead parents <laughs> 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 they have to find her dead parents so they can give them a proper burial uh like, I- I'm just wondering how is she going to be bullied, and my-, my theory is she's going to show up at school in, like, a wheelchair, coughing with, like, a- an oxygen tank, and there's going to be this dick come over and, like, kick the tank over and push her chair over, and then uh... we're, the- it we're, like, it's going gonna- it's gonna to be so over the top, how, and-, and-, and like you said, Joe, the show wants us to feel bad for the girl, but if it goes that far... Are we actually going to feel bad, or are we just going to laugh because it's... It's, uh, it's so asinine. Let's face it, it's so asinine, and it's a cartoon character getting the shit kicked out of her because she's frail. Honestly, what I think they're going to do, I'm pretty sure we're probably just going to kick in at the moment. Like, we're going to see her at school, she's going to be normal, Like, and people are going to like be talking about her behind her back, and then it's like... One day, that her friends notice that she's not at school and turns out she's been admitted to hospital. I don't think it's going to get any worse than that. You don't think it's going gonna, it's gonna to go no. full oxygen tank removal? No, I don't think so. Because, like, <laughs> Throwing out the window? The synopsis, it all seems to be like she is, bully, she, like she is a bully, bullied, illness-stricken or, orphan girl. She has been admitted to hospital when they all of a sudden get this weird text. It's just, it's like It kind of feels like 
it's just it it feels to me like something that is going to be mentioned and then just quickly glossed over as like and here's where the story begins now let's go to find this festival in some faraway town that some random dude texted us about that we don't even know because that's what everybody does right everybody and then it turns into another where everyone in the class starts getting murdered <laughs> oh, i hope i hope that'd be nice the best the b movie of the season kidnapped. The characters get kidnapped uh, looking for this mystery festival, and uh, it turns out to be her almost dead parents. And there's a spooky ghost that doesn't kill people on their own. No, because the ghost is around, people get maimed and murdered. And pie is caught oh, all over the God. place. Hickey, where do you think this show is going to go? I don't know. I just, I just didn't want to watch this show to begin with, but still. I... Uh... I think they're gonna show her being bullied, but it will be the same as every single other Japanese anime. They will, you know, ride on her uh, school chair. Chalkboard? Not the chalkboard, the chair, like die or something like that. Probably in black and white. (laughs) Probably in black and white. Uh, Yeah. Then she's just gonna. They, oh, they look, just won't she, even really go into it at all. She's bullied, and then let's go to the story now. <laughs> Why are you even at school? Kind of thing, right on the chalkboard, right on her desk. You just, you should just leave. Why are you here? Kind of thing. <laughs> oh God, the show's either gonna be so over the top, or it's gonna be nothing. <laughs> or it's gonna be the best show this season. Uh, Kakegururi is has something to say about that. Hey man, hey that that, that fucking NTR has something strong. to say. NTR has something to say about that. What? Yeah, I knew you'd be into that. God, <laughs> uh, confirmed. Yeah, Tori's less... too cuck porn. Great. The, I do like it when when girls decide to leave their boyfriends <laughs> for each other. I love that. Why would you admit? That? Why would I admit that I like lesbians? I don't know. Uh, okay. 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 Dude, I don't have anybody to lose. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so needless to say, uh I think we're gonna I think I think what we should do here is take a little break. Uh before we get into our, our uh our main topic here, but um what's gonna happen, unfortunately, is I think as Joe's Joe's saying earlier is the tragic girlfriend is probably going to become a trope that's going to be overused and uh, basically just not be a cat to what I was saying, not a catalyst for the story. It's just going to be a point in the, in the show for you to feel bad about. Any other uh, remarks? Uh, not really. I mean, I would, I would greatly appreciate it if they had the creative balls to subvert expectations and do what they want to do instead of what the fans want ultimately out of a story i don't care what the fans want i'm not there for the fans i'm there for the director the original creators the animators the voice actors i do not give a shit what a bunch of anime fans want at all that's why i love end of evangelion so much because ano just said (laughs) fuck you i'm gonna do what i want (laughs) oh man tori what do you got uh Repeat the question for me. <laughs> um, do you think the uh, tragic girlfriend is going to become essentially a trope and be overused, or do you think uh, 
more shows might pull off a catalyst like an Anahana. I mean... And actually make it a, a good part of the story. I mean, like, everybody's trying to make it a good part of the story. But the thing is, you know, with anything uh, that anything well. <laughs> that becomes popular, um, of course, the more the more popular it gets, the more it's going to be, uh, be used. And now what you see, like, with a Silent Voice and stuff like that coming up by Kiwani, I'm sure that's going to garner some attraction. So obviously means that people are going to try to copy that. And uh, So, yes, of course, I do think we're going to be getting a bunch of shows that are just nothing really in terms of in terms of that like they just they they take it they take the easy way out to put it that way they just like they're hoping they're banking on it being enough to just have that character there and they're probably just gonna turn it into a trope rather than an actual story but uh yeah okay let me spur this last question then what is the best tv show with a tragic girlfriend that you've seen Ooh, that's difficult. Tori? Oh, shit, that's tough. That is really tough. Uh, I'm gonna... Because we all know the worst is Clannad, and we'll move on from that one. Oh, Technically, God. that would be my best, because that is the one with the highest... My, I'm given the highest score, <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, well, sure, I'm going why to... Why not? <laughs> I'm going to stick with uh, what I was saying earlier with Erased. Okay. That entire series actually pulled on my heartstrings the whole time. Um... Unless you want to count Welcome to the NHK as a tragic girlfriend because of what happens. I think you, I think you can. Then I think it's can. not even close. Welcome to the NHK. The only piece of fiction ever to make me cry. <laughs> uh, I would go with Your Lie in April because it gave me hope. <laughs> it gave you yeah. hope? I, it gave me hope she will, you know, not be a tragic girl. Well... She was a tragic girlfriend, but still, it gave me hope that something would be different. Tori? What? Tori said Clannad. Yeah. He said Clannad? Yes, okay. yes, he did. I, I, I was hoping he was joking. No. Yeah, me too. Of course I'm not joking. <laughs> oh, well, you know, the Norwegian always has the worst taste. I have the best <laughs> taste. <laughs> yeah. Yeah? Oh, you only have a 40% pro taste. Okay. Uh, no. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think mine's Anohana, but then again, I haven't seen too many. I've just seen, I've seen NHK erased. Uh, Clannad is bar on the least <laughs> favorite of mine for sure. Uh, I'll go with Anohana as the best example. And so we all picked something different, which I, I'm I'm pretty happy about. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like Even we're not Tori's the same taste person. Was terrible. We we discovered that. I have the best taste. Thank you. You just discovered that? God, I've known that since I started talking to him. Huh. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, anybody need to take a break? Or are we going straight into his and her circumstance? Let's go straight into Kari Kano. Let's yeah. do it. Hickey, you good? Sure. Okay. So, Joe, this was uh, your suggestion. This was well, your yes, fault, yes, you're right. This is your fault. Yep. <laughs> We are we are gonna start talking about the show. You have the Mal and Wiki page up. Um, kind of give us a rundown of uh, studio, how many episodes. Okay, this is an it, this why. is an old Gainax uh, banger. Also, JC staff helped. Uh, they did animation. Yeah, it's from uh, 1998, and uh, the directors were Hideaki Anno for uh, the first 13 episodes. Is what he's credited with, but he was a, he actually left at episode 18. And then uh, 
Kazuya Surumaki. You might know him from for, uh, directing, co-directing End of Evangelion and directing Fooly Cooly. Actually a strong director, this was definitely not his strongest work. Um, so as for as for what it's about, it's your main character, Yukino. I believe she's referred to as Miyazawa the entire time. She's a kind of a kind of a piece of shit at home, <laughs> but at school she's uh she's perfect at school. She sits there, she's pretty, she's intelligent, she's nice to people, and most people think something like that couldn't really happen. No one like that exists. Well, they're correct because the entire act, the entire thing is just an act. It's all a facade. All she wants in life is to be uh to be praised and admired by everyone around her. But uh eventually. Eventually, she meets our secondary main character, Arima, and uh, she actually gets beaten. She gets beaten in the exam rankings, and uh, that kind of starts spurring this whole story of her not liking him, and then he blackmails her to start helping him out, and eventually a relationship forms and eventually turns into actual love. That is where the series started. I would like to point out that this entire series, all 26 episodes... Only covers about seven volumes of the manga. There are twenty-one volumes, and there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of creative differences between the staff at Gainax and the mangaka, whose name I should know. And where is it? Uh, Masami Suda. They had a lot of they had a big falling out. That's why the final episode, as you guys saw, had a see you next time. That never came. <laughs> yeah, that never happened. And yeah, uh, that's thank God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I personally think her uh, her reaction was very misguided, because I think the uh, the series is much better than the manga, but just because it's comedically timed better, and I believe Ano has a better um, a better understanding of how people are and how they work, what they do, whereas the manga is very idealized. It's very idealistic. Very shoujo. It's yeah, it's very shoujo. That's a that's a very so, apt yeah, way to put it. Yeah, this is definitely a this is definitely a genre that I'm not too well versed in. Although I don't hate it. Uh, I believe the first thirteen episodes of this series, the ones Otto directed, are probably the most shonen style shoujo I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's like watching Nana, but with a ton of a uh, <laughs> with a ton of production issues. <laughs> it's like watching yeah, well, Nana, is not Nana's close good. to Nana yes you're right <laughs> first of all Nana's good Nana so is really good <laughs> we're, already, we're already on, on different wavelengths uh, trying to compare those two so as you mentioned it focuses on our two characters uh, I, li- I liked how how it began first and foremost where uh, Yukino and Arima are focused on individually in the episodes. It starts out with her circumstances, and then it goes on to Arima's, his circumstances. So you get both sides of the coin there on the, on the story end, kind of where the characters are coming from. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it brought up a lot of... Uh, the first theme it brought up is they have their own, as they as they deemed, masks. They, had, they put on this uh, persona in public, where they only show this one side of their personality. And... Um, by episode three, we already we're already set up with that that love story, and uh, it's it's done well. I really I really enjoyed it. Uh, Tori, uh, 
Yeah, no, I agree. Like the thing uh, with the with the show going into, I had I had heard of it, but I didn't really have any expectations. So I was kind of I was kind of going in blind. Um, except I seem to think I would like the show, so I was like, well, maybe it's maybe it's my kind of show. I don't know. So I went into it, and I kind of basically got like uh, JD said, interesting take. Like you know, you get both sides of the coin. You get Miyazawa's. Uh, side you get her circumstances you get Arima's circumstances and kind of the two things that ultimately connects the, the characters making mm-hmm. the fact that they kind of grow closer and eventually spring into love make a lot of sense do i think it's the best best portrayal of romance ever no but like that's that's a different side uh but it like it makes sense why they will go why they would come together in my opinion uh and what this show did really well in my opinion was as well it added a lot of comedy uh, which, from what Joe told me, is also kind of where some of the problems with the mangaka came up because of the comedy. But in my opinion, it never felt out of place. Yes, this is a comedy drama, which means that it's heavy on the drama, but it also kind of throws in jokes. But it never, to me, felt like the jokes came in at an like inopportune time. It never really felt like the joke ruined the moment. If anything, I felt like the jokes helped like lift up the series and not just have it be this incredible like sad depressing like oh I, I hate everything kind of show like it showed like like you would expect from people multiple sides everybody has mo- multiple sides everybody has different reactions to different things and some of them were funny i'm fine with that uh i also want to compare this to a, another show that jd's talked about that we're watching right now as a community watch which is uh kimi Nitoroke, which is also a very very similar story love story shoujo the biggest difference, of course, is the pacing. Uh, Kimi Nitoroke is incredibly slow and never moves anywhere and doesn't really do anything. But what it does a lot very similar to Hesner's uh, Circumstances is that it tries to spur in these like more depressing moments, but kind of throw in the comedic angle on it. It's like, you know, it's kind of, kind of similar to what Hesner's Circumstances does. However, the difference there to me becomes Hesner's Circumstances times the, times the jokes very well. They fit, like, they fit the scene, they fit whatever's going on, and they never seem to ruin any moments. Whereas in Kimi Nitoroke, the comedy kind of seems to always be the thing that leads after, you know, something quote-unquote dramatic happens. It's kind of like, oh, they all hate her, let's throw in a joke. Uh, they Like, she gets called nicknames and everybody thinks she's the girl from the ring, let's throw in a joke about that, because that's, that's funny, she is the girl from the ring, everybody thinks she's the girl from the ring, haha, laugh. Like, that kind of thing. <laughs> and it feels incredibly forced in Kimi Nitoroke. Unlike in his and her circumstances, up until a certain point. And do you want me to keep going, or does anybody else want to talk before I go in on that? Let's uh, let's get with Hickey has to say about the uh, the start of the show. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought the beginning of the, the show was pretty good. Uh, the characters were well protected. Uh, especially that the monologues and stuff like that. I think the only problem I had with I don't know the first five episodes, but with this mark, was episode three. There there was a dialogue and the sound sound the soundtrack music in the background was louder than the characters speaking. <laughs> so that <laughs> kind of that was kind of bad. I, I couldn't pay attention to what they were talking about because of the soundtrack was booming. The soundtrack, at least the soundtrack's good. 
<laughs> so yeah, you have it's very simple. The story is it's not that difficult. Uh, you have a character who has a uses a mask, which would be Miyazawa, mm-hmm. and Arima kind of falls in love with the mask. Then he realizes that's not her, and that realization makes something inside of him breaks. And he realized, well, I like him, I like her anyway, and I have this other side from inside of me that I never knew about it. And so this is the real anima, and then we go forward on this story, which... Yeah, I, I, really, liked, I really liked how the show uh, expanded on that. It does expand on issues. It doesn't just touch them and leave them alone, uh, that we see a lot of these kind of shows do. Kimino Tadoke is a great example of... of uh, having an issue and then immediately ignoring it or not even going into it at all. Uh, well, for, like, like, for me, one of the on. scenes I really liked in um, His and Her Circumstances was when Miyazawa and Arima were talking together and they're talking about, like, you have to be the real you and it was Miyazawa to Arima. And Arima says, but what if the real me is a piece of shit? What if I'm like my father? Because you find right. out early on that he was adopted and he was abused before he was adopted. He he's afraid of what he re- of what he really is of whose blood is running through his veins and he doesn't want yeah, to be like sins, that. Sins of the father become your own kind of thing. Exactly, which we mentioned, which you mentioned earlier. Exactly, but they they treat it in such a direct way. It's not beating around the bush. He just comes out and says it. What if the real yeah. me is a piece of shit? I don't want to be that. No, I mean it's things like that's done well. Uh, I mean I've gone through it where you beat somebody and you you find a side of yourself that you you uh, didn't know existed or um, a new side of your of yourself that was never there but now it is because this other person is bringing that out in you whether that's a good thing or a bad thing you do get that Arima is is scared of that while Yukino is the other way around where she her her side of herself is just being more open to her more or less piece of shit self because <laughs> she's an attention whore. Yes, to be honest, yeah. uh, she still wants the attention. She admits it fully. She just wants now her. I guess her whole objective was for everyone to know that. <laughs> <laughs> so her 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 coming coming out personality wise was a lot easier than what say Arima had to go through and. The show does a, a great job of going through that, and this—that's really the first three episodes, where they where 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 this all happens. Now we get episodes four to let's say uh, twelve. I think that's a good good chunk to take out because mm-hmm. it, it feels the 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 relationship between them build. It does build. Uh, mm-hmm. A couple of characters are introduced, and um, I have a problem with a couple of those what they do with that but the fact that the show does develop those develop uh, further develops their relationship and it and in the fact that it has an episodic nature doesn't deter deter from the show at all uh each episode i like how each episode shows kind of this funny small recap of events that have happened instead of having recap episodes but <laughs> that all changed later that all changed much later uh, when it was taken away, so at the beginning that was nice to see. Uh, here, here's just some things they I, I wrote down that they that they touch on just in the, the first uh, from episodes four to to about the twelve mark. 
uh, Complications and Inner Struggle of Confessions and Fear of Rejection. That was an entire episode dedicated to that issue. Uh, Parents going through remarriage, such as, uh, that was one character, um, really hits, the show does a very uh, good job in hitting a dysfunc- what, what the theme of dysfunctional household entails. Uh, Yukino's house is dysfunctional in the fact that it's pure chaos most of the time. It's nonsense. While a dysfunctional household for Arima is the fact that he's adopted. Those aren't his real parents. Um, for another character, the uh, parents are divorced. And, and the father's going to get remarried. So it, it definitely goes through a lot of the motions and, and touches on each, each subject individually. And I, I really appreciated that. Well, the episodes we're talking about are episodes that were mainly directed by Anno. Um, yes. Basically, once he once the uh, creative differences, I'll call it, started happening, I feel like he got very much hands off the story because most of the most of the uh, critiques were based on things that he did, changing where the camera is, changing how scenes are portrayed, changing the way, um, changing the way like characters interact and that's what i was saying earlier why i think he has a much better understanding of people than the mangaka does because i believe those things were done better than they were in the manga they were kind of portrayed in a more down-to-earth sense like people have multiple sides people can be funny and still be sad people people aren't two-dimensional essentially and from what i've seen Anna's work always portrays that whereas it seems like the mangaka herself, she wanted more of a direct, like, translation, which manga panels animated. And to the second half of the series, that is literally what she got. Speaking of, just to put a criticism of what Arno did as well, because you just said, like, you know, what she wanted was manga panels animated. Well, then you have probably my one of my least favorite episodes of the entire show, which also is directed by Hideaki Arno, and that was episode 6. Because that was basically exactly what you said. That literally was uh, the fucking manga panels, barely even animated, and I'm not even joking. Every literally, it felt it was one of those things. Where it was a it's a cool gimmick, right? I like, I don't dislike the effect of like manga panels. Like it's it's cool. You can kind of fo- put a use like it use it's utilized can be utilized really well to make make a point. It was However, utilized very well in Fooly Cooly, for instance. Yes, yeah, right, and you can pr- do some pretty cool effects with effects with that as well, especially like some kind of cool transitions as well from scene to scene and however it was pretty much the entirety of episode 6 and there is a point where it becomes too much and that was for me episode 6 it was fun right away however as the story progressed and he just kept going with this manga panel after manga panel after manga panel after manga and I'm sitting there like okay I get it that's enough but they keep going. I didn't. I didn't care for it either as well. It it got really really irritating. Yeah. And um, <laughs> we'll definitely go into the second half on a lot more of those types of feelings. <laughs> uh, Tori, what did you what did you think of uh, kind of the episodes themselves and what they touched on at the beginning there, that first half? Uh, like I said, I I really liked it. I um yeah. I thought it was really nice. You know the way it's just struggle uh, the struggles of like identity identity and whatnot mm-hmm. right who you are 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 you like who who you make yourself be it's like and it's it's like is your public persona versus your private persona are, are they the same person or is just one of them the real you and the other one's a mask like what what makes the person right 
and how who you hang out with and other people around you will affect the person that you are, which is very well, you know, portrayed through especially Miyazawa yeah. and Arima, because they very much do affect each other. Right? She like Which and that's what a relationship does. Yeah, like Miyazawa, <laughs> right? Because she gets the perfect guy and she realized that he likes her no matter what. She kind of gets the confidence to realize that she doesn't necessarily have to be the perfect girl all the time. Because he doesn't have to impress her. Technically, he can impress... No, technically, she can impress her. Right? No, th- she can impress him, I mean. Sorry. Uh, because, it, technically, like he does better than her. <laughs> uh, so, it's one of those things. Uh, same thing. Arimasi is kind of Mias- uh, Miyazawa's mask come off. And realize that she has a different personality to her. And that she is, like, not necessarily... Her public uh, appearance and her private appearance are two different people. But it's all, it's all the same people. And he kind of gets more... You know, sees a more intimate side of her, and that kind of cracks him because he's like, but like that kind of makes him discover a different, different self. And like you said, he's kind of afraid of that because he's like, he has kind of been so used to being the perfect student and being himself. That's like re- kind of discovering a different side of himself. And at first, I, I, like it scares him because it's, who is this person? Is this still me? Is this person a piece of shit? Is it okay for me to be this person? Which in turn later kind of deals into the whole him having struggles kind of discarding his past and like his past self and his past hurt that still clings on to him. K- kind of. <laughs> kind of. I'm not saying they portrayed it well, but that's yeah. kind of where, where they're going with it. Yeah. That kind of got left out in the dark, sadly. <laughs> All right, Hickey, what about you? Uh, well, first, this morning I I read a little bit of the manga. I can say that Aside from some dialogue and some jokes, it's pretty much the same thing. Although I think the jokes in the manga, they are more romance-driven than the ones in the, the, in the anime. The anime is more pure comedy. It doesn't feel like a uh, rom-com. It doesn't feel like a rom-com. Put that aside, mm-hmm. I think, I know, like always, when portraying the self the inner self of a person, he did a great job. Uh, the anxiety of what if, you know, uh, Arima said he loves he loves me, but what if he doesn't love me anymore? What if he was joking about it? Uh, when Miyazawa realized that Arima is genuine, he's not faking uh, like her. He's this actually really good guy and you know, coming to terms of loving him and, you know, being loved. So I think this this is a good... That was good. I think in the manga, this is portrayed well. But Arno did a good job uh, making it better, let's say, adapting it. The problem lies ahead, I think. The first half, the first half is amazing. I don't have any complaints about it. Problem lies ahead. I, uh, yeah. Um, where the show started going downhill for me was around episode ten, and that was the introduction of the character uh, Subasa. And for those who don't, who not familiar, Subasa is this uh, real tiny character girl who is uh rambunctious and and essentially a a brat 
and it's the character whose parents, uh, whose father is going through a remarriage. Uh, they they focus on her more than the main characters the last uh, three episodes, and that takes us out of uh, that takes us out of Anno and into the second half. Um, and we get we're 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 immediately followed with two or one and a half recap episodes. Mm. We uh, notice. A crazy amount of, as Tori would say, the overuse of manga panels. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, Arima is not even in the show anymore. He goes off for uh, uh, a month and a half long kendo training. So he's not even in the show. Although there was about five minutes of an episode where Yukino... Or Miyazawa was uh, trying to talk to him on the phone, and she started feeling that disconnection with him. If they if they would have done more of that, it would have been I think done better. But the fact is, it it, it felt like a lot of episodes in between were were filler and not need, were needlessly not there, uh, or didn't need to be there. It's better said. Um, we immediately see a massive change in tone in the anime. It's no longer comedic. It's now solely serious. <laughs> uh, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, it definitely wasn't done right. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I could go. I could go on and on over over a couple more things, but I'd like to hear uh, what not only Joe thinks but Tori thinks over this. Uh, I, I, let's go with episode th- uh, thirteen now to eighteen. Because that's as Joe, I think you dubbed it as the uh, the the summer arc or something. Uh, essentially, or the training arc. Essentially, something. It's basically, essentially, Arium is not there, and what's what's happening? What did you guys think of th- this part of the show? This is where it all kind of started uh, to quote another Ano work: tumbling down, tumbling down, tumbling down. <laughs> <laughs> um, it seems like I I greatly enjoyed that. Uh, they actually sent Arima away and had Yukino kind of deal with it. It's Miyazawa. Deal with it. Um, you did start to, you started to notice that Arima's very possessive of their relationship. He's very obsessive about her. And, um, though it wasn't exactly... Well, that, that happened a little later. Well, it happened right around episode 18. Yeah. Eh. When and you start. Back. Yeah. Well, well, okay. Yeah, he came back at episode eighteen. Yeah, correct. And I, I want to, I want to go into eighteen uh, separately. Well, if you guys don't, he mind. came back. That that was. He came back at episode seventeen. <laughs> at the end of seventeen was when he. The, well, the he end of seventeen. Yeah. stuff. Yeah, I do. I do. I do want to go into uh, the the singular. I, I wrote down rough moments and favorite episodes, and uh, eighteen is one of them. And there's a couple more from the beginning uh, that were probably the highlights of the show. Uh, but yeah, like you said, this is where it started tumbling down. Is right after, right at that thirteen mark. Right. So keep going, Joe. Uh, basically, right. You could you could definitely feel the tonal change, and I can't exactly blame um, Surumaki the director for this because i believe what happened was uh now this is all just me guessing because you don't know what goes on in studios but i assume 
that uh, the mangaka started putting pressure on the production committee. And the production committee started putting pressure on Anno to change it to the way that they wanted it to be. Which was kind of more straight. More straight-laced. Less proper comedy. More more shoujo, essentially, is how I would explain it. Mm-hmm. And um, Anno probably wanted nothing to do with it. To be honest, the dude's a little nuts. <laughs> so I think I think he started getting very hands off, but because he was freaking out for those episodes, you know, ten, eleven, twelve, before he just stopped getting main directorial credit to the series. I think once Surumaki took over, he was kind of he was kind of up shit's creek because he had to he had to play it straight, or they would get rid of him too, and it would be a bigger shit show than it was. So like I said, he's a strong director. He's he's done co-direction for End of Evangelion. Uh, he was doing screenplays for, I believe, Nadia of Blue Water. Uh, he, okay. He's uh he's the main director of Fooly Cooly. He's not a weak director. The problem is, I believe that they kind of had their hands tied with what they could do for the second half of the series, because the first half was put together so strongly that I can't just assume you know it's all gonna fall apart like that for no reason and stay just crumbling the whole time. With a staff that that's, that's that talented, or director, a set of directors that are that talented, I can't just assume that they completely broke like their quote character just to wind up at the end when it's just manga panels. And I feel like the end of the series was a big fuck you to the uh, to the mangaka essentially. It was. <laughs> I've I've. I mean, I've seen some animes fall hard, but within an episode to see this 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 drop in in not only quality but also storytelling was outstanding to witness now my entertainment factor was was uh plummeted to as bottom as you could get uh it was it was flabbergasting what had happened in the show especially going from something i i generally enjoyed i enjoyed as as said before, we all did. We enjoyed the, the the tough topics that they they kept going on. We we liked what they were doing with uh, Yukino and Arima's uh, cross relationship and and how they affected each other's lives. And then basically to th- to to not even have the our two main characters in the show anymore, and focusing on essentially side characters. He said, uh, "I mean, I brought it up with Subasa. It was all about her. Why should we care about her? She's just this random person." And, the, and that's because my essentially the manga. That's why. and that's yeah. and that's my problem. I can't I can't believe that people who would adapt stories the way that these people adapt them are just all of a sudden have a hard break, and it just so happens to line up with where there was issues with creative differences. And I can't just you know not say anything about it because it's it's the writing's on the wall, patently obvious that these people there, there was even a, did, there was even another character introduced that I didn't even know why he was bothered to introduce and that's Asuba this uh, pretty pretty boy with a p- ponytail what, what what the hell was the point of this character <laughs> I have a feeling should the story have continued after 26 episodes he was going to be relevant probably but, but that's but then why but he was introduced in like episode 4 and like nothing happened there was just this uh comedic moment between him and him and Yukino and then the problem was solved, and then they moved on, and they were best friends. I was like, "What? What was the point of that then?" <laughs> it, it, well, I guess we'll, you have to remember I mean, we that... got we got a third of the story. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, also, but I think I think where it's like really 
really were like the uh, as Joe said the where they essentially just say give like you know big middle finger to the creator is essentially it might be in the second to last episode uh, which is so uh, oh, oh God, yeah. so uh, so uh, like <laughs> appropriately titled a different story from up to now and uh, that is a filler episode that has absolutely nothing to do with story and I'm pretty sure that that was just when they finally went no you know what screw this I've had it. This, yeah, I've I, had I, it mess, I mess. I mess. Okay, so I, I think we're we're getting into uh, the crux of the show here because I do want to skip episode eighteen. Nobody. Now let's we can go nineteen to end. Ugh. And fourteen days. That God. Wow. Wow. So to give a to give the audience here uh, an understanding of where we're going with this, this is we're introduced to a new character called Takafume. And uh, his relationship or quest for revenge, because he was a picked on fat kid as a as a child by a girl. Where the f- doesn't this sound familiar? Doesn't it? <laughs> it might. Does it? It sounds like an entire show we just had in the winter of twenty seventeen here uh, called Masamune's Revenge. <laughs> it's almost like that entire show was was based off of. The, this character and that's Takafume and the only it, he's out for revenge over this girl that picked on him and it's seven it's the last seven episodes of the show with as Tori said a filler as the second to last episode and a recap the episode before that yeah. before we get a final episode first of all no because <laughs> now in the in the second half we're up to almost four episodes of recap plus a filler <laughs> yep Yes, including including uh, the quality of animation being completely absent. Nothing's am- animated anymore. It's all black and white, and it's it looked like sketches to me. They it were wasn't even sketches. A ma- ma- it wasn't even a manga panel panel anymore. It was just straight sketches of the characters. <laughs> they couldn't be asked to do anything anymore. And in my opinion, I'm pretty sure this is where like the con like the conflict of rises, where you know the manga has differing opinions and probably tell. Yeah, putting pressure on the you know, production committee was put pre- putting pressure on them telling them to keep changing stuff where it eventually like where the recap episodes come into play as well because essentially at a certain point it like uh, deadlines catch up to productions and then I feel like eventually they just came to that point where it's like we're pretty much working on a week to week basis to put out episodes it's not gonna work like, and that it was never so bad works. it was a very weird release schedule because between episodes between when Anno stopped and uh, Surumaki picked up. There was no break. That was one week he had to yep. totally change the story. I believe mm-hmm. it was like six days he had to Ugh. get the next episode out. What a disaster! Absolutely. <laughs> That's Hickey. Hickey, what do you got? Like the show ends. I'm gonna lose it if I keep talking here for the a second. The show ends <laughs> ten minutes in episode twenty-four. <laughs> what can I say about it? <laughs> like I was, I was. Wait, that's it. What? What is what? Uh, I think it was really, really bad. Although I think the last episode, episode twenty-six, is very poetic. Uh, I'll give them that. At least they tried. But oh my god! At least they tried. Uh, I can't even say they did that much, honestly. Seriously, oh my god! What was that? What what did what did you take away from the last seven episodes? Because I I have nothing. It was something written. Every, down here. Everything like, went weird, and then like you have episode seventeen, which is I don't know, paper cut cuts, animation, something like that. 
<laughs> and nothing happens. Oh. You you have Arima. Oh yeah, animated on popsicle sticks. Hell yeah. You have Arima becoming a fucking psychopath in the corner, and yeah, <laughs> more comedy, like really really weird comedy. At least, well, it, at least was fully coolly like comedy, but you have this weird com- comedy going on, and you don't know what is happening. So then you know Arima has a epiphany, and suddenly he's like, oh shit. I'm good. I'm. I know what I'm doing, and I want to be with her. Nothing is resolved. Uh, Tonami, I think he's a good character, and yes, it's no. uh, the manga does the same, the same, the same thing. Aside from Narima's epiphany, I didn't think it was a good, a good ending. I'll never think it was a good ending. I hope I never see an anime uh, after this one that flunks so bad at the ending. Uh. Tori, what did you take away? I took away that the last seven episodes were awful. I don't even agree with Aki that uh, fucking the new guy, I don't even remember his name. I don't Takafumi. Yeah, Takafumi. I don't, I don't think he's a good character either. He is literally just the guy who shows up and it's like, I was bullied. I'm going to get revenge. And then he falls in love with the girl that he wants to get revenge on. It's like, <laughs> I was so angry at the end. I hated it. And probably the funniest thing to me was episode 26, the last episode, where you can just tell everyone's given up. Even the voice <laughs> actors and actresses have given up. Do you, do you remember the last episode? Do you listen to the voice actors when they, when they say their lines or whatever? They don't have lines. They say, he says, she says, and then, and then they, they, they disperse and they meet. And it's like... There is no acting. There is no emotion. Everything they say is monotonous. Nobody cares anymore. Everyone has given up on this production at this point. It was and just so clear that this is this is where it's going to end. Because you just can tell. Everyone has given up. This show is dead. Which really speaks volumes to the absolute nightmare the production must have been up to this point. I'm surprised that Hideaki Anno didn't kill himself after this. <laughs> oh my god. Well, he, <laughs> he was on the roof. Just try oh. and take that step off. So the 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 only thing I took from this last arc was we got to see Arima uh, be overcome with jealousy, which is a real thing. Of course it is. People go through that in relationships. It's a real thing, but that it did you didn't you, you didn't need seven episodes. The way it was handled with Takafumi was was bad at best. <laughs> It, I I can't even begin to say what was good about the 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 entire second half except one episode, and even then that was still sketch art. <laughs> yeah. So, needless to say, we we all hate the second half. It's garbage. <laughs> Correct. Yep. Yes. Or do, Joe do, Joe, do do you have a different opinion over that? Oh, uh, it's not incredibly different. I, I can kind of see, like I can prod out where. Uh... Suramaki was trying, but ultimately his hands were still tied and there was nothing he could do. You could definitely feel his directorial presence in episode 18, which is what I assume we're about to start talking about. But other than that, I feel like he was so weighed down with what he could do, what they would let him do, that he he might as well have not even been there. They might as well have just not had a director, because it didn't fucking matter what he he did or what he said or what he tried to do. It feels like this, this production was just taken away just was taken away from them 
they had no real part in it besides just doing the work. They were treated like robots. And, <laughs> yeah, just get get your coins out and start putting some coins into the animators' backs, because that's how animation works. And um, that's basically how I feel about it. Whereas I feel like he strong-armed his way into episode 18, and you can really feel it because it's it's so drastically different from the, the episodes yeah. surrounding it and the episodes that come after that I feel like that's where the series is done. That's where it stopped. It, and then where, it turned into it bullshit. Ended, for sure. Um, I would I would like to say that I, I would before we go into um, probably the three best episodes, and we'll end with 18, um, is this show should have been 10 episodes. The first nine, ignore Subasi even coming in, just have nine episodes and end with episode 18. And, and possibly show, uh, like, a good five minutes of Arima going away to camp and, and, just and showing show, Yukino. Yeah, yeah and, and Yukino um, growing apart and then, and then going from there. So they probably could have maybe stretched that into then 11 episodes. And that would have been basically a, a uh, by, by standard anime standards today, a full season. A tight one core, yeah. yeah. Well, I think a tight one core, and that that would have been really good. I think the show is fine up until like the uh, up until when the recap episode starts happening. I think the show is still doing okay. At That's that still point. like half the show. That is half <laughs> the show. My, yes, that isn't okay. My problem is no, I like that is two okay. thirds of the series. I still think that's half the show. The problem is <laughs> the second half is irrelevant to me. That doesn't matter. But if I, I still like I still like half the show. I can't take that away. No matter how much I hate that second half, I can't take away the fact that. I still like the first half. Like, that doesn't go away. Nothing has been... Like, the jokes and what what I liked about the first episode hasn't been taken away. They just... It's kind of... It stops there. And then it's like you have this second half that, to me, might as well be something completely different. It's irrelevant. <laughs> it's fluff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It really, it really was, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem. Um... So, the three episodes I have written down is, uh, the first one is the Confessions episode, where they finally, uh, confess each other's feelings and they decide to, uh, start dating. Okay. Any thoughts on that episode? Um, I like that it was just genuine. I don't like the, well, I, I appreciate the way most things are done in this series when the adaptation is given the way, or they're given the creative liberty to do what they literally do for a job. Mm -hmm. I feel like they're all very knowledgeable in what they do. So when it comes to, I think that was, what was that, episode four or five? Um, four. Four? Okay. So you have a confession in four episodes. And you still feel like that's a genuine, real confession. Four episodes into a series, we might, might get a confession and we might get some hand-holding today by today's standards so i think it's very refreshing to go back and see a series where they just picked up the ball and fucking ran with it as soon as they could and still gave it that weight that you knew it was real tori yeah no i uh, like i kind of agree i think you know especially what they do well what it, to me what always comes up when it comes to confessions uh confessions uh, episodes and that time when you confess it's like it's always kind of uh, it always depends on what's been done beforehand, right? And that's why I feel like, like I said earlier, 
they do such a good job at like showing how these characters like get together how they're like connect to each other mm. that is like when the confession finally happens it's like yes it makes sense i understand again i said i said this earlier i don't think to me that the whole that i necessarily think that the the most logical conclusion is that they will then immediately fall in love with each other and that there's, there's like oh there's a definitely a relationship here but i understand the connection right hickey uh i agree with both of them i Str- <laughs> struggling with technology <laughs> kind of uh <laughs> i always struggle with technology <laughs> but anyway uh i think it was a good uh at least one of the scenes of the show was a good a good confession scene i need to give this one to the manga echo it was the same thing in the manga uh uh-huh. it felt it felt genuine not that much genuine uh but i think it's interesting how to see like to see how the how the feelings of Miyazawa progresses in such short time, you know, it of course it's not a short mm-hmm. time because she's been like she's interacting with Arima since the beginning of the year. I don't remember when right. it happened, but you know she had she always had an eye on him as a adversary. Well, it's about as it's about as genuine as a tenth grader could really give. Yes. Right. Um. And the, and I appreciate the uh, the time frames in between everything, uh, how how everything did go end up going down. How uh, the she began she began with hating him. Uh, Arima appreci- like uh, admired her from a distance. Um, leading up to the confession, uh, I thought I thought it was. I thought it was more. I didn't think it was totally genuine, but it was definitely believable. Uh, the next. The next episode I, I have written down uh, is the one where the teacher gets involved in their relationship where because they're both model students and this brought up uh, this brought up a question in the episode as long as as well as how the parents look at their children dating, how teachers uh, get get involved in your own personal business, um, how Japan uh, specifically looks at rankings and trying to interfere they, they want their school to look look good and continue to, to go that way uh that that was a really really well done episode uh joe thoughts i really appreciated the father's take just kind of standing up and saying you know essentially how dare you get in the way of my child's emotional upbringing you're a teacher you're here to teach them that's all you're here to do it's a very um it's a very western thought process to have towards school compared to what I'm used to seeing in the East. But I'm very, uh, I really like it because I, I caught it at a, uh, like I connect to that at a very emotional level. I mean, my girlfriend and I have been together since we were in 10th grade. So Mm -hmm. if that would have happened to me, I know I would have felt like garbage and me and my teachers would not have a very good relationship. I would be almost self-sabotaging myself to ruin it for them right so i really appreciated the uh miyazawa's father coming through for that so the uh setting up the scene then uh what what ends up happening is it starts off with 
uh, you, uh, Yukino and Arima, Arima have their had their uh, they took a test and um, they've been dating and kind of just just being teenagers essentially, uh, not studying as much as maybe they normally would have. Or actually, that's true, because uh, Yukino even goes like I didn't really study; I was having too much fun being with Arima, and uh, Yukino's in like thirteenth place and Arima's down to fourth, and they were one two students; they were ranked one two. Period. Uh, essentially, like book rivals, you might say. So that's when the teacher then gets involved, brings, calls him in. You know why you're here. Uh, you, your grades have significantly dropped. And just from my own personal experience with kind of bullshit like that, it's like, are you kidding me? Like, fourth out of how many kids or 13th out of how many kids is all of a sudden bad? Like, come on. But in Japan, they care about that shit. And the teacher wants them to break up. Uh, and they both stand up for themselves and go, no. <laughs> will even prove you otherwise that we'll get our grades back up. Uh, kind of being stubborn about it. The teacher then takes that extra step that really butts into their business and calls both of their parents to have a conference to can like tell the parents to tell their kids to break up. And that's when that's where uh, Joe's mentioning here of what he he went through and and how he related to the the topic. Uh, any other thoughts, Joe? Um, not, uh, not exactly. I mean, I, I just thought it was really nice to see people, you know, aren't just gonna sit there and take it, because we're so used to an anime, everyone getting treated like shit, like, just getting treated like ass by people who are ahead of them, and sitting there yeah, and taking it. just because they're older makes them wiser immediately, that, and that's not the case. <laughs> Always. <laughs> like, and, like you were saying, they're 4th and 13th out of a school that this is the 90s in Japan is probably has 600 kids in it. Right. Well, I don't think there's a college that would say no to number four and number 13 on a school that has really high marks. I really, I really don't think that like, would it have been the same <laughs> if they, if they fell to third and fourth, would they still have the same problem? And honestly, I couldn't care less what that teacher wants for a bonus at the end of the year. I don't care what makes him think that he has that authority to do that. What I do care about is when he did take this one step too far and call the parents, the parents still stood by their kid's decision. I was actually really surprised by that, honestly. I didn't think for one second that's what was actually going to happen, and that really made me feel for the scene even more. Uh, Tori Hickey, what do you guys... How about we start with Hickey on this one? What, do you, what did you think about it? Well, I just thought the parents were amazing. Uh, it was the, the time to shine. Uh, I think I understand the teacher side. I think uh, you know he, they are on school to study. It's not to to go forth and something like that. The teacher, it it's his job to to care for his students, and in a sense, he was caring for them, telling, "Look, you are still young. You have a lot of time in your life. Please uh, study." Do your tests, go well on your tests. You guys like our hope. And then you can, when right. you're outside here, you can, you know, have fun, whatever. But uh, at the moment you're doing tests, for example, because they were goofing off uh, during the tests, you should study. And if you can concentrate while we are on the this period, you, sh you guys should break up and concentrate 
of course I get his I get his side but I don't think he handed very well he was like they were like no we are role students it's not that bad because you know it's fourth and 13th it's it's not a bad fall but the teacher was like no that's mm-hmm. that's unacceptable unacceptable i was like no which it's kind of not they yeah like joe said they hinted that this this school is actually pretty difficult to enter uh, i think the characters the characters yeah. were talking about and for all we know that all they did was miss one question more on the test it's like oh, come on yeah <laughs> so i think the the father you know you have uh especially yukino's father and mother they are they're very goof they always goofing around and then you have this moment of him being actually serious about it and saying, look, I think my children make the, the right decision and I think I will support them. Uh, then we go on to his, his story, uh, the, her, her parents' kind of backstory and you understand why he, he's like that. Uh, why, uh, because... Because he literally met her mother in the same way. Yeah, and he right. passed by a very difficult moment during high school. And if it wasn't for her mother, he didn't—he didn't know what would happen. I honestly would have appreciated that episode much more if um, it was either directly after this this episode or it cut to it in the middle, and this episode was extended to two episodes. Uh, that way we could understand, I think that would have impacted us as the viewer more from that perspective. But yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the fa- Her father shined, and where Arima's father, uh, adopted father, came through was, because the teacher was like, okay, last hope is, is him, and he just goes, you notice the women didn't say anything. <laughs> I found that ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the... Uh, Arima's, Arima's adopted father goes, look, he's, he's, he's basically number one in the class. He's never done anything to cause us worry or, or, uh, you know, he does everything on his own. He's, he's the ideal son. Why would we now interfere in, in his life when all the choices he's made previously have been the right ones? I was like, wow, that is, that is a very mature way of looking at even your son. <laughs> Tori, what do you got? Um, no, like, um, I, uh, what I thought about that episode was immediately, I didn't, I didn't like that moment when I got called in because it's like, it's kind of just hits on me and my problem with like Japanese society in general, where it's like, you know, right. that, that whole, where it's like, you're still young. Like right now you're doing tests, you're studying, you should be doing well. Right, so you should make a future for yourself when you go out of here, and then you can start pursuing relationships, and then you can start having fun. The problem with that is, of course, that mindset is you can do this later, just not now. Well, then they start going out, uh, going out of school. They try to find jobs. They try to apply for college, and then they get separated. Or even if they don't, they end up going to the same school. They're getting similar jobs and stuff then it's like then the same thing happens there it's like no you can't do that now you have to focus when you're here you have to focus on going to college and getting right. a good grades so that you can get a good job or you have to focus on your job so that you can rise up in the system and it's kind of like it's always that you can do you can like romance stuff and 
and anything that you can do it later you can do it later like kind of yeah so when is when is the fun gonna happen kind of deal Never. When you're is not later. supposed to have fun you're not supposed to have fun yeah. that's kind of that's you're always working for somebody else you're right co- you're like a cog in the fucking in the machinery like that's you're supposed you're to die supposed working to yeah essentially <laughs> right so that, i didn't i didn't appreciate that when the parents stood up and i was like yes thank you finally like that's something i've been missing a lot from anime in general and just somebody who's like you can't stop people from being people you can't say no you can't do this you have to make me look good right you yeah. can't you can't do that you can't just stop people from living their life that's not like that's it's not it's not a good thing it's not healthy for the japanese society in general you want more work no it's the, not you want more workers in the future don't you well you can't just always have people <laughs> working you have to let them. Well, st- they need they, they need to bang. Yeah. They need to bang so you can have another person to teach. Yep. <laughs> Jap- Japan would probably much prefer, even though they don't even really allow for that. But I think Japan would probably like it a lot more if they could, like I don't know, never have have sex, never get kids, and just ad- adopt people from other places. I guess is that how they want to do things? <laughs> adopt other people's oh, unwanted kids. <laughs> and speaking of well, sex. Well, I do. I do. Before we go into uh, speaking of sex, um, Joe, you mentioned you mentioned uh, how you could relate to that moment personally, just because uh, you you you're still with the girl you dated in high school around that same age. Yes. Correct. Yes. 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 Yeah, and just I mean, I I can only imagine if a teacher or even even your parents would would get involved in something like that, especially if you're already making good grades. Well, yeah. My problem is I don't. Uh... I don't talk to my parents, but, um... Well, just hypothetically, yeah, well, if that, that yeah. would have happened. But, um, I did get really good grades in high school, so having that happen to me would have, uh, really, really thrown me off course. I would have really just stopped caring, because I already didn't study in high school at all and still passed everything, still had a 4.0 GPA, so I, I'm one of the, you know, the lucky few that didn't have to try, but, uh... I'm also very personal with myself. If someone tries to get in my business, I tend to, uh, I tend to just kind of stick it to them in a in a roundabout sort of way. I just don't I don't care about how they feel or how they look at something. It's not their life to decide. So I, right. I'm a very, I wouldn't, I'm kind of like cynical and mean about it when stuff like that happens because I don't want it to happen. It's not your life to live. It's mine. Stepping on my toes, spitting in my face is not a good idea. It's not going to work out for anyone. I'm going to start acting like an asshole, and you're not going to like me, and then we're just going to be on <laughs> bad terms because I'm a dick. Well, you shouldn't have stepped on my toes. That's basically how I see things like that. No, yeah, and, and there, there's definitely... I really appreciated uh, Arma and Yukino know, kind of st- uh, sticking up for themselves and what they believe in, and um, I've, I've, been, I've been there multiple times in school myself uh, when I... When I made the life-changing decision to move to Germany mm-hmm. twice. <laughs> <laughs> and I had teachers and counselors telling me, don't, don't do it. Uh, essentially they're, they're saying that they're better than, than them. And that goes into a whole, like uh, the whole, I'm American. I'm better than you mindset. Oh, thanks man. <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm American. I, I know, I know it, but like you said, if you're going to have someone tell you differently and kind of want to force your hand, then you, you that just motivates you even more to do the opposite. Mm-hmm. It's literally so, the basis of reverse psychology. Yeah. Someone's. <laughs> is there a football game going on, Hanky? 
I don't know what's going on, actually. <laughs> but there's someone <laughs> screaming on the I street. I believe you live in Brazil, and that's what's happening. That's funny. <laughs> so now, yeah, I, I think we can all relate in some way to uh, someone kind of buttoning our business. And I could, I just really appreciated that episode. Uh, I, I, I had to, I had to bring it up personally. Um, now for probably, arguably, the best episode, not the best animated, <laughs> but the best episode, is episode 18 titled progression or otherwise known as evolution and uh man show should have ended there shouldn't it (laughs) (laughs) yeah you might be right yeah would have been a nice point um so setting up the scene is (laughs) well our arima's arima's uh, gone through a growth spurt he's he's come back from camp and um even uh yukino is going through kind of this emotional change because she hasn't seen him in so long he arima's now he looks like a man now uh and i appreciated the the new character art they gave him. they made him a little bit taller they gave him slightly broader shoulders uh his hair wasn't juvenilely like covering his eyes anymore um he seemed more mature a deeper voice like everything seemed older about him and even arima's personality he knew what he wanted he says i want to feel yukino i want to have our skin touch i don't want to just kiss you anymore and that's what real people go through and yukino wanted the same but coming from her circumstances she's scared of feeling too much she's there's a time when when she's even scared to touch him she can't she's overcome with so much emotion she can't talk to him properly anymore and there there became real rift uh i've been there joe have you been there hickey tori have you guys kind of been in that uh, similar situation nope well i'm uh i'm very confident in myself it's uh to like a narcissistic degree so no i've never really been in that situation uh well, you can, well maybe not to yukino but arima was the opposite he he wanted more Oh yeah, I constant, I constantly want more. I understand yeah. Arima at a deep, deep level. <laughs> well, I mean, we're guys, so we're us relating to the the male care his circumstance is much more relatable to us. But but the way even Yukino as a female, you could even us as males could re- even relate to what she was going through. Yes, yes, yes. I I know people that still like don't don't have. I don't want to say confidence in themselves, but in a roundabout sort of way, that is what I'm saying. Like, I know people that, you know, aren't confident. They don't know that, you know, if I want, if I want this, I can do it. They kind of, they kind of like play themselves down constantly. And to me, that is Yukino's character. Her character is the person who's so unconfident in herself that she sits there and belittles everything she does, not understanding that she's the reason why they Mm -hmm. happen. Oh, she even she even beats herself up hard about it because she does have that realization like shit, I fucked up. Now I've, I'm possibly ruining this this good thing that's going for me. Um, uh, they even have there's even a uh, a setup near the middle of the episode where um, Arima basically takes the dive and goes and kisses her and fuck all if it was if it had to be might as well have been flash clip art or something out of ms paint where it, it showed his hand and then it clips his hands now lower clips 
his hands now on her chest, and then it clips to them staring at each other, and then he just goes, I'm sorry. I'm like, oh my god, okay, I, I get what you're doing, but fuck, it was, <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like if it was animated at all, I would have been like, okay, great. It, and then, and then it moves. It 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 has a lot of emotional impact from there, and and then finally, uh, through a ton of symbolism, in between, they they do they do the birds and the bees. They get down to business. Uh, wake up next morning naked next to each other. And they they realize they've basically taken the next step in their life, and I think the the culminating moment was definitely for me at least was Yukino was in the bathtub, and she kind of gives like a fist pump of yes, I did it, <laughs> <laughs> I did it. She's like, oh, I I fucking banged him. Yes, <laughs> we've. I really loved that that moment. I was like, all right, because Arima wakes up first, and it's like seven in the morning, and he's like, oh shit, if our parents came home, that would have been really bad. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's the guy, he's got to think of that. Meanwhile, Yukino know, didn't give two shits. She's like, I I I overcame my insecurity, and I did. <laughs> Everyone, go go nuts with your thoughts from there. I I I made I made mine. Uh, <laughs> no, I, uh, I really do like the way things are, like, not portrayed because the animation is garbage, <laughs> but so the bad. way that, it, the it, way that they come across, the way that they come across, I really appreciate. And I have, uh, I have nothing but positive things to say about an anime that has the balls to take the next step because I really don't like this will they, won't they bullshit that happens. I vehemently despise romance series that end with like a fucking high five and a confession i think that's pathetic you build yourself as a romance Sh- show me show me romance like i every story doesn't have to be uh the notebook but i mean at least at least put forth what you said you're gonna give me don't don't uh recreators me <laughs> <laughs> don't don't say it's action and give me and give me dialogue Mm-hmm. Uh, my opinion on like that episode and that's like I feel like this is where one of those uh, this is one of those episodes where I feel like kind of that part of uh, myself and like kind of self-hatred comes out a little bit because this was not this is not an episode I'm I particularly care for especially and one of those reasons is because I feel like that moment that you were talking about that moment where Miyazawa like realizes that she's fucking up and everything and she's not really mm-hmm. doing like that awkward tension that comes. I feel like where my own like, kind of like self-hatred kicks in because I'm the sort of person who would be exactly that. I I kinda can't I kinda can't do that. I have problems with my self-confidence. I cannot I cannot believe that I can put forth like enough willpower and action to actually accomplish something. I feel like I so need kinda, that it. Kind of had the opposite effect. Yeah, of so I feel I feel like I am the sort of person that needs that like extra push. I can do a lot of stuff on my own, and I don't necessarily lack self confidence. It's not like I sit there and think of everything that I can't do. I can do it. I can do it. But I just have these like stupid little things that just <laughs> I freeze up and I like my brain just go no, 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 no. You don't know what you're doing. You have no idea what this is about. Tori, are you telling me that you're different than us? No, I am not. I'm just saying I have troubles. 
getting I'm, I have I a problem joking. getting over these things. I, I think, no, I yeah, I can I can understand that. I have a I have a very hard time myself. I have a very hard time getting over these things. But a lot of people, I feel like it's probably like it's something a lot of people have been, have have dealt with at some point. It's just some people kind of either they either manage to get over it or they put in a situation where they have to get over it. I feel like I'm the sort of person who kind of pulls back and I decide not to go there. As I hate that, but that's kind of mm-hmm. what it always comes back to. And that's like, I felt that watching this episode where I'm immediately going like, this is that moment where I would just immediately go like, nah, this, I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> Hits you hard in another way. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Like, I, I mean... Even if it hits you that way, it does then... It's doing its job then, no. even from the opposite emotional perspective. Definitely. Like, it's it's not a bad episode. Yeah. I'm not saying that. I didn't hate the episode, but it's one of those, like... It creates, like, conflicting emotions, emotions within me where I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I want. Yet, at the same time, it comes back to that whole, like, I understand uh, Miyazawa and her decide to run away. And then right. it's kind of like... So you, uh, you relate more to her... I relate more to her situation, yes. I'm kind of like her realizing that you're fucking up and that's like what you're doing now is counterintuitive to what you actually want. It's just very hard. And I kind of gets that, but she kind of well, gets I suppose that it is very hard. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Hickey, we, have, we, haven't heard, we haven't heard you. from you over this. Yeah, we haven't heard from you over this episode yet. <laughs> well, first of all, I think it's unfortunate that episode 18 is in the middle of the shithole. Uh,. Unfortunately, yep. <laughs> I think it would be <laughs> it was a waste. Uh, second of all, I think it was a very believable uh, situation. You know, the, the rain and and Arima just yep. go. You know, uh, it's raining a lot, and my my house is closer to here, and my parents are at home. Like, oh shit! You know, Arima. And eventually, he just sticks to you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, Arima. Well, well, the, yeah, they had that moment where they look at each other and they're like blushing, like, yeah, we know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a turning point for Arima as well. I think it's, well, he realized soon that he can't, he can't go on without uh, Miyazawa. But I think this episode is us. Oh man, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going inter- to interrupt you. You actually reminded me of something else. I have it. It, uh, uh after everything and Yukino's in the bathtub he's meanwhile in the room uh going through kind of an opposite emotion where he doesn't think he deserves that kind of happiness and he's and he actually pukes because now he's sick of himself yeah 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 yeah, yeah. now if they actually went beyond that in the other episodes maybe the ending would have been better but they didn't do much with it <laughs> Oh. So yeah, it's another turning. Anyways, yeah, go on, it's hey, another. Yeah, sorry, don't don't worry about it. Uh, it's another turning point for Arima. You know, uh, he realizes that yeah. oh, I can't, I can't live without her. Then he goes, he, he does the job, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And like you said, you can say he banged. Yeah, her. he banged her. He t- he took her to missionary but school. But then, uh, you know, he, uh, the to Brown Town. <laughs> <laughs> The other Arima, which is not even, it's not the mask, it's not the real Arima, it's this other Arima that goes, oh, do you think 
Do you think this was special? Do you think now you can still love her? Do you, you know, he has a lot of doubts. And I think it's, it's like I said, this is a weird episode. Not because you had episode 17 before, which was a clusterfuck. But also episode 19 after that, <laughs> which is... I don't know what happened in episode 19. But, you know, it's this... You have... You go back to to the first core. It it goes back to the to the first core. You have Arima dealing with the self rejection kind of thing, and right. while you know, in the other hand, you have Yukino going all out of yeah, I banged him. <laughs> so I think it's one of the it's one of the few episodes of this series where Arima and Yukino are treated differently. Uh, this show it, it it says look they are different but they the show always treats them as the same thing, which is completely wrong. And it, What? And in the aftermath, you tend to get um, you tend to get like what most men will go through mentally where they'll just beat the shit out of themselves <laughs> as soon as something happens, as soon as they start doubting something. Whereas uh, Yukino being female is more likely to like, you know, celebrate victory, be more happy with herself. And it's kind of just this, uh, it's this weird psychological thing where people just kind of tend to beat themselves up. At least in my experience. No, the, no, uh, don't worry about it. A man, I, you. I really, uh, I really do uh, tend to see myself in Arima it, during that scene, particularly, where you just sit there and go, do I deserve this? Do I really deserve this? I mean, I'm kind of a piece of shit on the inside. Do I uh, Do I deserve any of this? Yeah. And you go through that in your head a couple times, and it just starts spiraling out of control. So I see eye-to-eye with Arima in this, in this episode. Um... Whereas Miyazawa is all happy, and she kind of pulls, she kind of pulls you back. She pulls you out of that like uh, that rut that you get in watching and seeing Arima, and you know, understanding what he's going through. She's the one that pulls you away from it and just puts you back on course for the series. Agreed. Well said. Well said, everybody. Uh, we're approaching uh, the end of the show here. Uh, I would like to get everyone's uh, score over the show now. <laughs> Okay, Joe. Since you watched, yeah, this was your suggestion. You can go first. All right. Well, I uh, my original watching of this, I caught it on, I believe, the Funimation channel a couple of years ago. And by a couple of years, mm-hmm. I mean like 2008. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, I originally gave it an, an eight. After okay. rewatching this, my uh, my taste is is much harsher. Even though I see eye to eye with things, I see way too many problems to score it anywhere near that high. I changed my score to a six. I still okay. enjoyed more than half of the series, but the half that I didn't enjoy was trash, and I can't look past that. Tori? Well, like I said for earlier, I really enjoyed the first half of the show. It was a lot of fun. I don't, uh, like, uh, yeah, I just like, adored it, especially I constantly compared it to Kimi Nita okay, which is actually another show we watched then. I didn't like so it was like and I was just like this is an example of how you do it correctly I love this and then the second half happened and kind of the entire emotion my my entire like reaction to everything kind of flipped and I was like I hate this I want this to end and now <laughs> so it's like I've kind of been on both both spectrums of, of it like I loved it and I hated it um luckily 
Nothing that I hate about it has taken away from what I liked about it. But nothing I like about it makes up for what I hate about it. So for me, it ends up in a five. Wow. Okay. So it ended up being an average show for you in the end when you put it all together. Yeah, because I, I like half of it and I dislike the other half. So it's like, logically, yeah. that puts it right back in a neutral five. Yeah, it really speaks to how strong the first half was for how much we yeah. dislike the second half. Yeah. Yeah. Mickey? When I started the show, I think I would give it a 7 or an 8 because it was actually pretty good. But like everyone said, the second half came and it just goes down to the bottom hell. Uh, I I can see any good points, not only in the anime, but also in the manga. I think it was a very huge mistake to make it to the uh, 26 episode series. Especially because, like, after the yeah. Tsubasa arc, nothing happens on the fucking manga until the play. So, I'll, it will end with a 5 out of 10, because the, it's just... I, I don't think I will recommend it to anyone. I think to go over 5, it's an anime I would, like, look at someone and say, Oh, yeah, I can recommend this show to you, to someone. But this show, I don't think I can recommend it to anyone. Still, it has some merits in the first half. The soundtrack, the animation, the direction, the direction, the, the comedy. Mm. So it, it's a five. Well, uh, I guess finishing off with me. Um. <laughs> no, we don't need your opinion. That's fine. Senpai, uh, senior person Joe. Yep. You, um, you, you thought I would give this the lowest score <laughs> among us. <laughs> yeah. And you would be correct. That's right. <laughs> um, I really liked, in total, 10 episodes out of the 26. And that uh, that <laughs> makes a 3.8 <laughs> percentage. 38% percentage. So that, that goes up to a 4 out of 10. Um, I'm, I, I, I liked, episode, as much as I really enjoyed episode 18, it was uh, garbagely animated. And it's just too little uh, too late. Too little, too late. As Hickey said, it's in between the clusterfuck of everything near the, near that end. Um, I thought the show uh, died at episode uh, right after episode nine, where Subasa was introduced. One could one joke, and then the rest of the episodes later was I felt like a complete waste of my time, uh, and I gave it a four out of ten. So that between all of us, it rounds up to a five out of ten. Yep. Or it is a five it's out of literally ten. Literally. So. It's literally an uh, it's literally an average show uh, where we all say this first the first uh, half pretty much is the only thing worth watching and episode eighteen. <laughs> yeah, the first half could be an eight, and then the rest of the show is such a hard two that it's a five. It's oh my god! So this what? Whoa! I gotta I gotta I gotta say some other things. Hold on. Uh, this was brought to you by David's Tea here in Toronto. Uh, it's on Queen Street. Go drink a bunch of tea. Buy buy some stuff there. It somehow supports the podcast. I'm not sure how that works uh, financially, but that's what they that's what they do for us. And you can find the Red Leaf Retrocast anime and the Retro Gaming podcast all in one on iTunes, Google Play. You can find it on YouTube at Musenspiel and Vidme of the same name. Uh, our our audience is growing. Somehow, people want to listen to us bitch and complain and talk up old shows. I really think it's just because people are sick of everyone being positive over everything. 
Uh, you might be onto something there. Being negative doesn't have to be wrong, and I strongly, strongly think that being negative has its own merit. It's just as it's just as worthwhile as being positive about everything. In fact, more so. And not everything's good. That's right. Not everything <laughs> yeah. is good, but everything has an audience. Yes. I don't have to be the so, audience. Hit us up for hit us up for questions. Um, I'm hoping to get a good chunk together that we can go over in a future podcast. And speaking of future podcasts. Uh, if you if you do want to send us questions, we uh, there is a Discord that um, we're a part of, and the community will throw us there. But if you want to just directly send us questions, you can do that uh, via YouTube comments. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes or in Google Play at the Red Leaf Retrocast, and hit me up on Twitter or Senior Senpai Joe Person. <laughs> Hi, that's me. At he's uh, what is your what is your Twitter? It's uh, Full... at Full Metal underscore L A X. I'm actually gonna. And I, am, I might try to make it easier. <laughs> yeah, I I am at uh, bowling JD. So hit us up. Uh, maybe if you watched his and her circumstances or want to watch it, uh, watch the first half at the very least. <laughs> and our future episode is is Tori's idea, where we're gonna go really out of character. Tori, what what is what is our next topic? Our next topic is gonna be uh, anime shorts. That could be anything from, you know, real shorts to short movies. Basically anything out of the normal length. Uh, there will be a slight change, like, in terms of uh, dates. Usually we try to go a uh, aim for, like, pre-2000. However, I did add one short to the list, which is from 2002. But other than that, everything else is from pre-2000. Monster, how dare you? I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm 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 looking forward to that. That's a that's a good topic. Uh, I'm not sure when we'll record it. When we come up with great debate ideas, uh, well, that's probably when it'll happen. Might be a week or two. Uh, we got some holidays coming up. Uh, summer vacation. Everyone's busy these days. Uh, there has been multiple suggestions that we watch a retro hentai and we discuss it. So that's looking like it's on the plate for the future. Yeah. <laughs> uh and we do not have a patreon we don't plan on getting a patreon because we're sponsored we don't give a shit about receiving other people's money we're not going to put hentai on paid service only this is for an audience and our pleasure (laughs) (laughs) winky face oh man we'll see we'll see what happens uh i've never seen a hentai probably before what was it, La Blue Girl from like 99 or something? <laughs> Whenever that came out. Do you know which one we're going to watch? Uh, I don't. I don't. Okay. I don't. Someone, someone's going to say something, I'm sure. Watch the Tezuka. And it'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> so this has been Red Leaf Retrocast, episode three of the anime. We did His and Her Circumstances. And uh, I guess we'll get some music to play us out. We'll figure this. We'll figure that out. <laughs> Thank you. Peace. Peace. Goodbye, everyone. Let's go.